Do 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 Oh, hey there. Um, not to do another weird announcement before the episode starts, but um, again, going slightly off of the plan. Um, I almost broke my ankle <laughs> this week. Um, went to the hospital, thought it was broken. Um, I actually just have like severe tendonitis. Um, in one of my ankles, and I have since developed um, an acute tendonitis in my other ankle. I can't walk right now, and obviously it was quite a scary event. I went to the hospital quite a few times. Um, You know, so that has disrupted our normal recording schedule, um, which was already relatively disrupted. We hadn't been recording as far ahead of time as we would have liked, because life has been crazy. 2020 has been crazy. Uh, Emma Kate has had stuff going on um, stateside. I hadn't had much going on here, apart from, you know, the global pandemic. I had been very, well, I have been very careful about not going out, and, um, you know, so much to my shock and dismay, I have... uh, wound up with an injury that has required me to go to the hospital, the ground zero of coronavirus cases for my town, and potentially catch something, but knock on wood, I haven't yet. So, today, for you, we have an episode we actually recorded. Um, we, We actually go into it a little bit at the start and explain why we were recording it, but we had an interview scheduled with somebody who we will be interviewing later, hopefully. Um... And, like, they had technical difficulties because of, uh, downed, I don't know, like, internet cables? Well, I don't know, like, it would just disconnect every time we tried connecting to them, uh, to record. Um, don't ask me, I'm not a internet cable technician. So, we decided we were going to use the time we'd set aside, uh, to record an episode, sort of, just in case, uh, in case of emergency, break glass, here's an episode. And uh, here's the episode. And again, sorry about the lack of updates on social media. Um, shit has been buck wild. <laughs> so uh, thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. We will hopefully get everything more together in the coming year. Um, in the meantime, enjoy! Talking Dolls! Welcome to Talking Dolls! Are we recording? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, we're recording. Sorry, I was replying to my mom about something. <laughs> okay, let's try that again. Okay, I was wondering if I should leave that in, because maybe, maybe the listeners will like the organic feeling. Um, maybe just throw it in as like a, an outtake. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. Um, welcome to Talking Dolls. Podcast where we talk about dolls. So you don't have to. Change of plans today. Um, we had an interview scheduled, but, um, because of technical, yeah, internet problems, we can't actually do the interview now. And, um, Emma Kate (laughs) 
closed um, early. She got the day off work and we needed something. Yeah, so um, Joe here is much more familiar with Bratz than I am. I am not familiar with Bratz by choice. <laughs> and uh, Joe has decided that that shouldn't be. I am no. more familiar with Bratz content, whether I want to or not. So, so guess what I've we're got- talking about. <laughs> I've got the weirdest sense of deja vu right now, and I don't know why. Um, so basically, um, our mission statement for the podcast, um, I'm sure as you've heard in our other episodes, is we want to find out things about dolls and like present it to you, our listener, so you can learn fun things. Um, and we don't want this to just be like, oh, we're going to watch like doll media and then just talk about why we like it or don't like it. So the thing I've picked um, to uh, brutally um, expose, um, em- yeah, to subject, to subject Emma Kate to Bratz um, is a piece of Bratz media that is very strange, um, almost legendarily so, um, and actually does have quite an interesting history with uh the doll industry and retailers especially and in a way is kind of ahead of its time because it kind of um is a kind of awkward precursor to the spooky doll trend that really overtook the industry um from 2010 onwards for obvious reasons um so we'll take a break and uh come back when we've watched Bratz Fashion Pixies oh boy Okay, so I think definitely my first thought was the fact that that dad character looks like an entirely another species from everyone else in this movie. Well, that is something which I think if you were maybe more familiar with other Bratz media would stick out to you more, is basically this movie was made after production had already wrapped on the Saturday Morning Kids cartoon, um, and the other movies had been made. So the voice actors for most of the parts are different, and you also get new animation models and locations. And that dad, weird goblin dad, is a new animation model. Yeah, um, my other thought is I think it's hilarious when she's putting on lipstick, just how tiny the lipstick tube is, because it's skilled to her hands, and like her lips are the size of her hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It That's, looks like uh, she's putting on tiny, like, child makeup set size <laughs> lipstick. Like, she's just smearing lip liner across the entire lips. Yeah. Well, anything which has contact with the head in Bratz has that problem. It's like, their mobile phones are, like, scaled to their hand and look like they don't even reach their ears. It's just... When you think that they would, like, go with a middle ground, like, make it a little bit too big for the hand, but make it, like, a little bit too small for the head, so you sort of, like, it doesn't look as weird... No. Well, speaking of weird, can we talk about the palpable sexual tension um, when Dylan follows the mysterious new girl into the forest? Yeah, um, he already seems like king sexual harasser, and I kind of hate him, but yeah, that was just the dialogue there. It's like it it went through no screening process. 
for well, she's like animation. She's like stroking his like chest and like rubbing his tummy and like up and up and down his arms, and she's like, and, like putting mm. her finger to his lips and stuff. Yeah, and she's the, the stuff she's saying is so suggestive, and she's saying it in such like a sultry way, and she's like, mm, "You like that?" Mm. And he's like, uh, 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 and it's like, oh my god, wow. Yeah, um, it's weird. Uh, the other thing I was noticing was like the the thing with the dragonflies and the charm bracelet. Because if this came out, you said two thousand seven. Yeah. So that would be a year after Barbie Diaries, and Barbie Diaries, a large part of the iconography and the plot of the film, is a magical butterfly charm bracelet, and that movie kind of heavily leans on the butterfly imagery. So I think that's kind of an interesting note. Well, I definitely think, because like, a large part of the Bratz Fashion Pixies thing is like, Barbie does fairies. Oh, Barbie is so babyish. Oh. And then Well, yeah, they literally had a scene where they said that they're like, "Oh, reading a fairy tale for shame." Yeah. But they're like, "No, you know, we're not like pff, we're not butterflies. Lame. We are dragonflies, the cool, the purple to the pink of butterflies, obviously." Um My mom loves dragonflies, so to me they're a mom thing. Oh, my mom loves <laughs> dragonflies too. So uh, I think all moms love Yeah, all moms love dragonflies. Dragonflies are mom culture. Um, except when they're on your scary vibrating charm bracelet, which is firing charms off as you have an argument with your sister, and a dramatic hip-hop music sting comes in as you search for it on the floor. <laughs> oh, yes. the uh, Also, the dramatic rave music alien abduction. Oh, my God. That was the thing I was most looking forward to showing you from, from watching this. I'm um, so confused by what I was supposed to glean from that. Well, nothing yet, because it's a mystery. This is mystery box storytelling. Go home, J.J. Abrams. You're not wanted here. Basically, yeah. Like, you get, like, evil rave music, like, flashing strobe lights coming up the clouds, and then jump just cuts watch to them the intro. Set up, uh, just watch them set up some sort of, like, parentage mystery box, because that clearly, the, the father is not biological. They look nothing alike. <laughs> Well, that does bring up the whole, um, well, mum didn't stick around plot point. Ah, uh, yes. <sighs> I Clearly. Shall, I shall leave that up to you, if it's Bratz being edgy, or if it's um, a natural plot point. Well, we'll see when it comes up. We shall I don't see. think Barbie, I don't know, for a long time Barbie wasn't allowed to have parents, so I think that's a good thing looking at what parent animation models tend to look like. Well, this is actually interesting, because... Um, this is some of the only time an adult, like, authority figure appears in Bratz media is in this. Because um, this comes around about the time as the second series of the cartoon, which was revived because uh, the syndicated reruns of the first series were so popular. And when you watch them together, I think the most jarring thing is the animation changes they made for season two. Because they actually lengthen all of the skirts, so like they stretch the animation model for the micro mini skirts they wear down to like knee length, and it looks so awkward and ugly. Um, oh, so I'm trying to think of what else my thought was like. Okay, when we were talking about parents there for a minute, I was thinking about Jackie Benton dying in a plane crash. I'm like, oh, their mom just like left on a plane trip and then died in a plane crash, and no one told the kids. Well, speaking of um, blondes without parents, um, Chloe. She is the only character whose house appears in the media, and sleepovers are like a 
a like a ever present force in the brats world. They are always having sleepovers, and it's they always all come at troubled homes. Yeah, and it's always at Chloe's house. Well, like one time, there's a plot point where a girl is like, for all intents and purposes, homeless, and they're like, "How can we have her stay with Chloe?" And people won't notice, so they decide they're gonna have a slumber party to like mask the fact that that's why. Um, ostensibly homeless girl is staying with Chloe. Yeah. My other thought is that so far the only like notable male character in this to me is Dylan and also the youth pastor that keeps appearing in the background. But um <laughs> I'm thinking like uh, they they've got a little bit of the Rio problem to bring up Gem again with the only notable male character being a man of color which is somewhat progressive but also they make him utterly detestable and pathetic yeah rio and uh and dylan i think have some shared dna in that they're both simultaneously like um objectified as like sort of infantile babies that the female characters have to deal with um but then they're also like horrendously sexist and um very vocal about it He's a episode one Sokka without any character development, and he never gets any. Ooh, Avatar, topical. Yes. Um, did oh, you pick up on? This. Did you pick up on the um the weird thing? Because you know the freaky bird. Like you were like, what is going on with that bird? Yeah, I don't like that bird or how long that weird morph sequence with it took. Did you get what was happening in the morph sequence though? Um, yeah, it has something to do with the fairy tale book that she had that was, like, shameful to read, because, so, oh, Barbie is princesses and fairy tale, and we're not Barbie. This is never stated outright in the movie, um, but I think the bird is supposed to be the goth girl, Lena. Well, that's a confusing thing. It's like, it was outside the window spying on Dylan, and then... Did she come into class before it flew off or after? After it flew off. Okay, because, yeah, I was catching on that they were definitely related, so I was thinking either she is the bird, or the bird is her minion. I think minion would be better, because... It's just freaky. Uh, it's a very freaky I, I don't bird. Like what, I don't like what that bird looks like. Normally, I am a big fan of goth spooky stuff, but it just like looks off in the wrong way. Well, this isn't our Halloween episode, but I think Brat's Fashion Pixies is interesting in that Barbie fairy movies are very like, oh, flowers, like rainbows. And then the Brat's fairy movie is like almost a Halloween movie in how bizarrely dark and intense it is and all of the visuals are like dead spooky forests with like storm clouds and like scary ravens and like evil rave music playing yeah the weird palette swap nice sister evil girl because she really she looks like a palette swap of the nice sister but i'm just like see this is like brat's take on rothbart well like as we watch more of the movie more and more characters will change into that outfit and get one of three hairstyles and um i do i think it's very funny with brats is that early on it was very much like passion for fashion express yourself and everybody had different outfits. And then you get to a certain point with like Bratz Fashion Pixies where every single doll has the exact same outfit in different colors. Which is kind of what they make fun of Barbie for doing. Yeah. I mean, like, 
I think we'll probably get into it more at the end of um, the movie when we record sort of the body of this, um, because there is stuff to talk about with um, with the clothes in this movie, uh, specifically the fact that the dolls virtually look nothing like the animation models, and that is because um, a certain retailer, who we will go into depth on uh, later, uh, had an absolute tantrum that conniption, uh, yeah. Literally. It was um, black t-shirts and fishnet sleeves. Outrageous. And not in the good way. I know. It was not truly, truly outrageous. It was no. just outrageous. Well, we've bought Jam Up three times. No! <laughs> we've we've bought... Impression. <laughs> I know I keep dropping Jam stuff in here, but it's it's good. I love Jam. Um, I was hoping this episode would prove to listeners that we aren't just obsessed with the 80s and we will be covering things post-millennium. I know me. And... I'm not obsessed with the 80s. I'm also obsessed with really weird 60s and 70s stuff. I mean, same. But we are only... Um, I have like... a saved eBay search for uh, for Little Miss Revlon dolls. No, we are 15 minutes into this episode and we have already bought Gem Up like three or four times. And not even, not even like... Not even like, oh, pink hair, ha ha ha. We're like discussing like the finer points of like gems, like race politics and and, well, and like parental death. I think it is uh, comparable in that because Gem was very edgy for the eighties, and Bratz is the edgy line for the two thousands, which are both responding to Barbie because um, I mean, I'm sure we'll eventually do a Gem episode if you and me can um. What was the nineties? Did the nineties have anything edgy? The nineties was all edge. Um, I don't know. Ken had an earring and wore an alleged cock ring. If you'd ask, uh, like Buzzfeed or any mainstream media outlet, so I guess Barbie could have been the edgy thing for the nineties. Okay, but like nineties Barbie was also when every single one of them had the same face with slightly different colors, and pink floofy party dresses and ball gowns was ninety percent of the outfits. So. Man- Maxie had an episode about anorexia. Does that count as edgy? Uh, I could. I could count that. I mean, it is a very special episode, but it was a core cast member and not a uh, guest appearance friend who never shows up again. Alone again? <laughs> yes, a la Laura. I'm a bird! Okay, Um. on that note, I'm going to segue because... Simultaneously every drug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Laura is a bird and palette swapped evil girl is potentially a bird. Maybe maybe bird is her minion. Let's segue. Oh, I also brought up Rothbart who's a bird. Okay, so we have okay, we're segueing into uh, watching the rest of this Rothbart, movie. Rothbart but make it sexy. <laughs> Rothbart but make it sexy. So Okay, for um for reference listeners, we are um 15 minutes into this movie and <laughs> We, and we, we had to take 13 minutes discussing it. Yeah, we we needed to take we're going to maybe do this in bite-sized chunks because there is so much to talk about because <laughs> this movie this movie is a hot mess but I love it and um I think I'm going to give Emma Kate like uh PTSD from making her watch it. I'm going to have an aneurysm. Yeah. Like your head will swell up to the size of a brat's head and you will die. <laughs> That wasn't even funny. Okay. Through the open window and sting my mouth and <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. Um segue now. 
Okay. So, immediate reaction after watching uh, Bratz Fashion Pixies. Um, now, my academic reaction to this is I don't understand how this works as toy marketing. Like, as somebody who understands why the misfits were more lovable than the holograms in some ways, I get it. But everything they're trying to market as a toy is evil. Yeah, that... Well, why was the dad not a sexy elf king they make, like, a doll of? I don't understand why they did that. Yeah, um, for reference, listeners, I think you'll need to Google um, Bratz Fashion Pixies dad slash Bratz, Bratz Fashion Pixies Melvino, um, because he is disgusting. Um, he has a unique animation model that's fresh for the movie, and it's like a balding, like, fat, middle-aged man. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with fat, middle-aged men, but he looks very out of place in the story, and well, his wife is, like, young and hot and a doll design. His wife shares the animation model with their teenage daughters. Which is like, why it's super creepy to watch them kiss. Yes, child bride. Yeah, I, I realize she's supposed to be older than she looks, but when he actually looks as old as he is it's weird and also you can count exactly how many hairs are in his eyebrow and i don't like that well i think it's especially weird because a reoccurring theme in the movie is like the family is insular and before they have the in quotation marks plot twist reveal that they're actually fairies um they try to refer to it in vague terms that make it sound like they're in some kind of cult or something because they say things like my father will banish me or my father doesn't like us talking to people from the outside if i tell you what's going on i'll lose my sister are they jehovah's witnesses or something Mm, um okay i think maybe we'll um let's let's dial it back to the start and um yeah let's go back to the edm alien abduction so the movie opens with two characters who are new to the franchise never seen them before um with really pretty crimped hair and matching bell bottoms and you can tell they are sisters because they're wearing the same exact outfit in different color schemes and they have the same color of hair and because the writers desperately need to establish that they are in fact sisters in a world where everybody looks the same so they say within the first like five minutes um a million We're variations sisters. hey sis but you're my big sister that's what big sisters are for we're always close um, uh, they also have to establish that's the one character's birthday coming up but we never actually get to see any sort of like birthday celebration for her now the birthday thing comes up again later which is kind of weird actually because they yeah. bring it up twice and it doesn't actually make any narrative sense also the the dad character it's like they're like these uh very fashionable detailed doll designs and he's just like this vague Hawaiian shirt thing. Well, I think that is something notable about the animation is that the doll characters have textile textures applied to their clothes so they look like they're wearing fabrics but the non-doll characters with like original animation models like he does have no textures. They're just like flat colors. Weird because I feel like his normal human form, which is like a beer belly dad, well, he's like a beer belly dad in a Hawaiian shirt, still feels like it has more effort put in than his fairy form, where he's like supposed to be a cool, powerful fairy king. And he looks like probably one of the cheapest things in the movie. Which is saying something. Um, 
So, listeners, uh, you may not be familiar with the Brat's Saturday morning cartoon, but basically... Um, I know I'm six- not. No, well, luckily, I am. So, um, brief history lesson. Um, the first ever Brat's animation feature was a direct-to-video slash direct-to-DVD 2D animation feature. was uh, released in 2004. It was Brat's Starin' and Stylin'. Notable because the characters are 2D animation, but the backgrounds are photographs of real locations run through a Photoshop filter. And then a year later, um, even though as a child it felt like a lifetime apart, a year later um, you get the TV movie Bratz Rock Angels in 2005. Um, and then that kickstarted the Bratz cinematic universe where everything had the same animation style and voice cast and you got the Bratz Saturday morning cartoon which tied directly into the movie in 2005 um that was super popular um like it was the highest rated Saturday morning cartoon in the UK um while it was running um it's really good like unironically I enjoy it I know there are people out there like um don't like it and um, I've I've heard on another podcast that does uh, like cartoon reviews, then talk about it and then be like horrified by it. But I think once if you're like tuned in to like dull stuff, you'll appreciate it. Um, anyway, I, I don't digress. appreciate the villainization of having a nose. Uh, well, okay. I feel like if we do another episode about the Bratz cartoon, I would like to talk about this because the antagonist opinions about noses in character design. Well, the antagonist of the Bratz cartoon is Barbie, <laughs> like. Like her name is Birdine, but she is Barbie. Um, her all of her furniture, all of the settings for Birdine are parodies of Barbie stuff. Like, um, it kind of parodies like Barbie having a lot of like fairy tale DVDs at the time by having like crowns as a motif on all her stuff. Um, the artwork of her in her offices is like a parody of Robert Best's Silkstone illustrations, which is a really deep cut for a cartoon to make because I don't think kids would have been aware of that. And um, and she's like depicted as this like ambiguous age older woman who's had a lot of plastic surgery. She's obsessed with pink, has blonde hair, um, and she is tormented by her fading popularity and how the brats are immensely more popular and youthful than she is. Anyway, God, oh my God, that was a tangent and a half. Um, anyway, circling back to this movie, um, and what a movie it is. So basically this movie was made after production had wrapped on the Saturday morning cartoon and after all of the tie in movies to the Saturday morning cartoon had finished. So this movie comes in like a really weird, um, like no man's land of Bratz media. So uh, the voice cast's different. The characterization's different. So even before you get into like the weird plot of the movie, like the movie is already weird as a piece of Bratz media. And then you get into it and it's like not fairy type. It's like Bratz's take on fairy media. Yeah, and they make sure you know that it's not fairytopia by making fun of the concept of fairy tales and fairy stories. Uh never using the word fairy, it has to be pixie the whole time. And they don't have butterflies. Despite having butterfly wings, they use dragonflies as a motif. And mushrooms. Yes, and mushrooms. Versus Fairytopia, which used flowers much more often. Though it did um, have some mushrooms. Mushrooms are the edgy teen version of flowers. Coincidentally, mushrooms are also what I thought I'd taken when I first watched this movie. It is, um, it's a movie. Well, I mean, so 
going back to the Starks, I don't think we actually finished. I like went on like an insane tangent about the Saturday morning cartoon. I'm like, I need to, I need to set the stage. Like I need to let people know. Um, so you have the dad in his like weird, like textureless animation form. And then the sisters very detailed animated forms for the sisters. And then they have an argument. And then would you like to describe the ensuing um, scene? So, of course, the older sister is going through some sort of rebellious, bratty, dare I say, brats phase. And um, she runs off into the woods and there's glowing red light through the trees and EDM music. And then a flash of light and the younger sister watches as she disappears and then stands there on an edge of a precipice blinking in surprise and her sister is gone it's like oh god the edm aliens got her (laughs) a goddamn edm ufos come and then you get like this really dramatic zoom out and it like she's all alone on the precipice but the precipice is like all like 2d drawing done to look 3d because they didn't want to make an animation model for it Despite the fact that this precipice is, like, something that shows up in the movie enough that they should have just done a setting for it. Yeah, well, I think I think the cliff face itself is, because later on, um, after the plot twist, that they're actually, um, they're, they are pixies, not fairies. Pixies. Um, you know, you see a person with butterfly wings and your immediate reaction is to scream, they're a pixie, not Oh my god! Or a human-sized person. A human-sized person. Despite the fact this setting also apparently has tiny people fairies too. Yeah, that's n- never explained. Um, I think the dolls came with that. Also, least... masquerade as full-sized humans. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. Is, is that like a gem Jericho hologram thing? Like, if you go to shake the person's hand, will you just clip through it because they're actually just like a tiny little person? <laughs> um. Uh... Well, I think I I can't remember. Okay. I'm gonna have to Google this. Yeah, we've got the gem jar for every time we bring up gem because we are gem addicts. Um, so I'm gonna send you a picture of what the dolls look like because do you want to describe to the listeners the sort of um flared jeans, crimped hair, monstrosities we were exposed to? Okay, so we got a couple different hairstyles that all of the characters use. So we've a got a couple being the operative one. Yeah, this one hairstyle is long crimped hair with a with three different ponytails on top and colored streaks now i'd say that one is pretty mid-tier in how normal it is i'd say the most normal one is like just a basic updo with colored streaks and like strands hanging down on either side of the face um and then the last one I'm not a fan of this look. It's long, crimped hair in a ponytail with, like, these mullet strands that look like an alien spider on top of their head. Like, these tendrily legs coming down around their head like a head massager. Oh my god. Tendril. Yeah, um, so just to confirm, the dolls did come with tiny miniature dolls in addition, so they, I'm assuming that's why the movie inexplicably has tiny little pixie people floating around with a, with no mention of it given. So um, uh, let's get to the rest of their outfits. So all of them have the classic Naughty's look of a t-shirt over a long sleeve shirt and then a tutu over flared jeans. Like, this is some high fashion stuff, guys. This is Hot Topic Couture, okay? And I know it sounds like I'm being mean about this, but 
I do unironically like it, so don't think I'm like a hater. Like, please don't send me Death Threats Bratz fans, okay? Like, I am also a Bratz fan. I just um, recognize when stuff is, uh, you know, funny. Um, on the topic of the outfits, I think now is the the time to bring it up is that the prototypes and animation models match perfectly. So the dolls have streaked with fantasy colors hair. They have the updos. They have the mesh sleeves on black t-shirts. And then this is where it gets interesting is that Walmart didn't want to stock the dolls because they thought black t-shirts were too adult slash too scary. And they refused to stock them and made MGA redesign the dolls and so the actual dolls that came out have natural hair colors in a really like gentle middle part to side part hairstyle. And then they have like um, a spaghetti strap top with uh, with just a butterfly, like a fairy butterfly it's on it. Weird because they switched to this more pastel design in order to be less uh, controversial. Yet you have to admit that the designs that actually got produced show a lot more skin than the prototypes do. Yeah, well, the prototypes don't show any skin except, like, uh, the neck and decolletage, and also, like, the hands and the faces, obviously. But then well, the dolls... Uh, this long, they have long sleeves on, and the sleeves are mesh, but they still have, like, long sleeves on. And then the dolls that come out are showing their entire midriff, their entire arm, and a, consider- a considerable amount of cleavage. Yeah, like, these are these are skimpy crop tops. It's just oh, it's... interesting that that is the choice they made in order to be less controversial and less edgy is to show so much more skin. I know. it's. I do think it's really strange, and especially considering the fact that this was only in 2007. Let's point that out. This was 2007. Mm-hmm. So in 2010, Monster High comes out and a spooky dull trend of everything being black and spooky takes over the entire doll industry. And, and like Walmart only three stock those. Yeah, exactly. So and so only three years prior, Walmart was like hissing and shielding its face from a black t shirt. And then three years later they're like, um, that stockless vampire doll wearing full body black fishnet stockings. Yeah, let's stock this doll that has stitch marks on her to imply that she is sewn together body parts from dead people. Yeah. So like now I know we've got... probably canonically Frankie is not actually made of dead people, but that is the implication. Well, without getting too much onto Monster High, because this is not a Monster High episode, um even though I'm the one that brought Monster High up. Um they do say directly in Monster High that um her body parts were synthetically grown in a lab and then stitched together, which is still insane. It's <laughs> but still you know gross. Yeah. Um so back on to the uh, topic of the uh, Bratz Fashion Pixies movie. Um, where were we? We were EDM, UFO, abducting a teenage girl, dramatic pan out. Then it goes into an opening montage of like... Dragonflies! And like, and like not hip hop, not EDM. There was the weird bird thing too. Oh my god. Well, this is another thing. Like the movie has like really weird, unique animation models. And this bird is, I mean... It was grotesque, but do you want to describe it? Because you had a very, like, very visceral reaction to this bird appearing. Uh, I I don't like this bird because it's, like, a little bit too realistic, but also too stylized at the same time. So it's, like, not really going 
hard enough into creepy stylization, but also like, I don't know, it was just too round and soft looking in some parts, but like too craggy and creepy bird in others. And it was just like bad, bad. Also, like it had quite realistic textures applied to like a completely grotesque stylized body. And then it also had like gigantic brat's eyes, but with like a really weird, like swirly, like yellow and red texture on them. And then there's this effect. So there's the start of the movie proper has like a page in a book of a stylized bird picture and this bird morphs into that but the morphing sequence takes too long and so instead you just get this bird distorting and I did not like that. It took too long for this distortion morph to happen. Yeah, but it also starts happening after the song finishes. So like the intro song stops and then you just have like this still of like this bird like melting for like what feels like five minutes. Yeah, it, yeah, and then you go and open on this uh, high school classroom that's unlike any high school classroom that has existed ever. Well, and uh, you have this boy who wants to be a player, and I hate him. His name is Dylan, um, but I will, I will remind you, listeners, that um, Emma Kate has never watched any Bratz media before, and I don't think she actually knows the Bratz characters' names outside like the main four. No, not really. So, Dylan is like, one of the two main Bratz boys that the the show made use of. Because interestingly enough, the show never actually featured any of the like auxiliary Bratz characters. Like they would get name dropped every so often, like um like they'd be like, Oh, I've got a call from Megan or like Dana would like write them a letter or something. But apart from that they would they were just not only oh, oh one episode Fiana shows up. Um and that episode is called uh it's like changing faces um and it's the episode where Dylan does drag and he learns how hard it is to be a woman. Anyway, Dylan's a butt monkey. Yeah. Well, Dylan is like cosmically punished by the universe constantly with like a humiliation conga line of his friends tormenting him and then a crow attacking him in the middle of the school hallway. He's an unsympathetic butt monkey. Yeah. So this crow is the same crow from the opening sequence, which had been spying on him in the opening scene. Um, And then it cuts to like normal classroom shenanigans. And, um, and Yasmin's reading a fairy tale book behind her. Which is utterly mockable by her peers. Yeah. Her best friend is like reading a fairy tale book for shame. Grow up. Yeah. They use that as, like, a really harsh insult in-universe later on. Like, a character's like, why don't you grow up? And another character's like, how could you say that to me? And it's like, wow. I mean, I understand this is media for, like, tweens, but and when you're a tween, being called, like, babyish or, like, being told you're immature is devastating. But also, it is, like, a really bizarre theme of the movie is, like, growing up. Because, like you said, the, the birthday that's coming up is her 18th birthday, and she's constantly talking about how I'm an adult now. I'm almost an adult. Or like You're saying my things. Little like, sister, who's only a freshman in high school, but we look exactly the same, other than our hairstyles. Well, you also look the exact same as your mum, and have the same hairstyle as your mum. So um, this is Bratz uh, animation logic. Well, it's because the mum was a dull character, obviously. <laughs> Yes, but you're not led to believe that by the first appearance of the mom. 
But it's funny because later on in the Bratz franchise, they do actually release mum dolls for Yasmin and Chloe because they expanded into like Bratz World, which was like as the franchise was dying, it started to like rebrand itself as Bratz World and have more like expanded universe stuff. And you got dolls of Yasmin and Chloe as children. And then you got when a franchise cough cough starts making like unnecessary dolls of all the family members. That's not a good sign for the franchise. Yeah, well, I mean, to be Monster fair, Bratz was High. Monster High. Um, cough, cough. But to be fair to Bratz, it was like assassinated with um, litigation. So, um, R.I.P. Yeah. Bratz. Yeah, that that happens in the toy industry. Let's move um, on. Well, before we move on, I do just want to say it's funny to me that the dolls of the mum and who you've come to find out are the aunt. So the mum and the aunt characters are identical dolls to the other dolls. But then later the on in the franchise... Sexy girl. Sexy girl. Oh yeah, the crow is the sexy girl who... Um, so you later find out that the sexy girl, Crow, who was posing as a high school student, is actually the sister of one of the characters' mothers, which means she is like an adult. <laughs> and she's and... Been posing as a high school student and also... Um, seducing a high school student in a very uncomfortable way. And a very unsubtextual way. There's a scene where she's, like, rubbing his, like, tummy and rubbing his shoulders and touching his lips, like, suggestively, and saying things like, ooh, you like that, don't you? And like, oh, we'll have so much fun. Trust me. Um... And then later on, there's a scene of them together, and she's calling him lover boy, and he refers to her as master. She grabs him by the hair and pulls him in close, and then, like, puts a finger on his lips. It's weird. It's very, very sexual, and quite blatant. I did not consent to be a part of this scene. <laughs> oh, it's, ah, uh, like, normally I get really annoyed when people are like, um, oh, well, Bratz is too sexual, because I think, well, it's mm, it's not that sexual most of the time. But then you get yeah, stuff like that. This is weird. Like, they made it weirder than it had oh, to be. Oh, it is completely weird. And it's, like, it would be weird if she was just a normal Bratz character, but the fact she is, like, ostensibly, like, 40 or something. You don't know she's, like, an adult when this is happening, because all of the girls look the same. But then, yeah. retrospectively think about it after finding out she's their aunt. And it's like, that's so much weirder now. Like, she's trying to seduce the boy one of the youngest characters in this movie has a crush on. Yeah, like, how old is Bri- How old is a freshman? Because, I like, obviously listeners, like, I do not know American school systems, uh, listen to my accent. would be, like, 14 or 15. Okay, so the sister's, like, 18, so she's, like, 14. I think... Uh, Dylan would be like 16, wouldn't he? Wait, no, because if they're in the same class, so does that mean Dylan is like 17 or 18 as well? Yeah, I don't know, because the... Because um, I feel like a four... I feel like all the girls are probably in... Because they're in class with um, the aunt character who's the hero. Yeah. Then they're also in class with the older sister, because it seems like the older sister is the one that they're actually normally friends with. And yeah, well sister they know and she's a freshman but they know her because she's the younger sister so i'm not sure well the movie introduces these characters so they're not pre-established which i know you were a bit confused about but it does it does go to lengths to explain that oh like 
Cymbeline is actually a pre-established character. She's actually their friend. She's like their friend for a long time. They know her really well. So her being 17, about to turn 18 and being in the same class makes me think that in this movie, it's like, oh, like Yasmin, Chloe and Sasha are themselves like 17 slash 18. And Dylan's in the same class. So I would say, well, Dylan is like 17. So I feel like a 14 year old having a crush on a 17 is 17 year old is a tiny bit weird. Um, I don't think it's weird for her to have a crush on him. I think it could be a little weird for him to um, return that. Well, I say is a bit weird. And like in a real world setting, I wouldn't think it was weird. But because the movie is like framing it as a bad thing, that like he isn't returning her feelings, I feel like it's weird. And they also like make her out to be such a so much more of a baby than the rest of the characters, which is Oh weird. my god, yeah. Well, and this is the thing that really gets me. So, you know, like a dark crow girl shows up. She has the same exact hairstyle as the younger sister, same like face and body as everyone else, same outfit as the sisters in a color swap. So she's like literally a goth version of this same animation model. And of course, like this Dylan dude's totally into her. And then, like, there's literally a scene where the younger sister is trying to ask him to the school dance or whatever, and he keeps looking past her to eye this much more attractive new girl who looks exactly like her in a different color palette. Oh, and it's such a bizarre scene, because he's like, she's picking up my love waves. Ooh, she's smoking. But But then, like, Brianna is like, she's like 10 or something, because she's like, um, excuse me? Um... Uh, ooh, uh, what do you mean? And then Dylan like literally like pushes her aside and like goes up. Oh, to, like... I should the the, the uh, conversation that really establishes that they're sisters in the first scene is her being like, "How do you ask out a boy? You're my older sister. I need you to tell me these things." And then she's like bullied by well, her older sister. Out that the guy she likes is like a trash pile. Oh, and like. The animators may not have put a texture on their dad's clothes or anything, but they did put I love Dylan on, um, I don't know if we've said names. Brianna, Brianna is the 14 year old with the crimped hair and, um, Cymbeline, which I know I've said before, is the almost 18 year old who's constantly going, other people don't grow up. I've grown up. You cannot grow up if you want to. I'm growing up. I'm growing up. Ooh, some people are just more I mature than others. Big girl now. She literally says, I'm almost an adult. I'm moving on to bigger things. And it's like, girl, what do you think you're moving on to? <laughs> College? Because that isn't a bigger thing. That is a more tiring and more depressing thing. Yeah. Um. Then there's also like... So then we see the crow again after he like sexually harasses from a distance this new girl just like being super weird and gross about how hot she is oh yeah and and crow steals his bag but not before but not before the brats bully him about being a virgin yes because he has a little black book of all the girls that he knows but he has not dated any of them as they like to point out and okay okay i think I'm going to put a dollar in the gem jar, but this franchise is having the same problem as Gem, where it's like sort of progressive with the fact that they made like the main dude for it, a man of color. But then they completely undo that by making him a complete trash heap of a human. I hate him so much. 
Well, this and is where they also make him an object of ridicule. Where with like Rio, he's a trash boyfriend, but everyone's like, "He's such a nice guy. You're so lucky to have Rio around." And then he's like, "I hate you. I'm gonna punch somebody. I'm gonna kick a potted plant over." But see, this is where you're not watching. It's like made fun of the whole time, but he's also terrible. But the thing is, Dylan isn't normally the main boy. The main boy is normally Cameron, who is the the blonde, blue-eyed boy to obviously go with the blonde and blue-eyed Chloe. And he Cameron is perfect. He, can. Yeah. Can, he, well, the thing is, he is basically like any kind of modern adaptation of Ken will have the same personality that Cameron has. Um, which is something I think is really weird because the Bratz doll line kind of went to pains to be like none of the boys explicitly are linked to any of the girls like you can pick which girl and like they would release games which would be like matchmaker games with like personality points for the characters and you could like work out who you thought was better with the others or they do like the secret date dolls where it was a random boy on a date with one of the girls but the cartoon goes hard for the chloe and cameron being together thing which is a kind of a strange thing because there's there's not really another romantic pairing in it. And I do think from a friend, like, oh, not to be like... They're blondes. They're Barbie and Ken. They have to go together. Well, not to, like, bring racism up. Um, And, like, again, Bratz fans, please don't send me death threats. I am not accusing the Bratz cartoon of being racist. Um, But, you know, like, media's not great. It's not cancelled, but it might be problematic. Well, you know, like, media's not created in a vacuum, and I do think there are certain implications of a piece of media having a cast of, um, which is ostensibly a multicultural cast, because Yasmin is um, supposed to be kind of Iranian. I know a lot of people are like, oh, she's Hispanic, but, like, she's not actually Hispanic. Like, she's got a Middle Eastern name, and she is based on a Middle Eastern woman, so... I think it's safe to say she's Middle Eastern. And then you've got Sasha, who is black, even though they animate her with like blue or green eyes. And like, oh, also they lighten her skin for this movie, which is a bit like mm, in and of itself. Um, God, I'm going down like a rabbit hole right now. So, like, I'm sorry. But yeah, um, we're talking about pairing up the blondes. Yeah. Like, so basically, what I'm getting at is I think there are certain implications of having a show where you've got a cast with three women of colour and one blonde, blue-eyed girl. And the blonde, blue-eyed girl is the only character to get a romantic relationship. And then that romantic relationship is with a corresponding blue-eyed, blonde boy. Yeah. And then Dylan, who in the doll line is sometimes a black character, sometimes he's Hispanic. It it really isn't nailed down. Like, his design vary, like varies really dramatically. Like ambiguously darker than the white characters. Yeah, well, like, sometimes they'll make him out of, like, a black skin tone, plastic, and he'll have, like, there was a doll of him which had cornrows, or sometimes he'll have, like, Afro-textured hair. But then other times he has straight hair and quite light skin. In the cartoon, he has straight hair and very light skin and green eyes. So he's almost, he's he's maybe like a brunette white person. Maybe he's Hispanic. Maybe if you know about the doll line, you could maybe think he's black, even though he's really not. Um, and then he is kind of like, like Emma Kate said, he is continuously ridicule, ridiculed as like 
this subpar disgusting man-child that no woman would ever want to be with and he constantly and aggressively flirts with every single woman he meets in a very creepy pathetic way yeah god damn it like this is supposed to be a fun podcast and and now i'm like putting on my like twitter like warrior hat and i'm being like actually this media is problematic how dare this children's cartoon from 2007 not be up to my standards okay but we're not saying how dare it not be up to our standards we're saying like you can critique you can critique things that you like actually good point again i really like rats when you like something you are in a much better spot to critique it because you know more about it like yeah well i think i love people would think i would hate from the way i talk about them yeah well i think like i always say about barbie and stuff is like when i critique stuff it's not coming from a place of dislike it's coming from a place of love and i would say the same about brats is i don't hate brats and i have defended brats to like anti-doll people before like those true change dolls and all that stuff like i hate it like i love brats um but i i am you know like 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 emma kate said like critique comes from a place of love mm-hmm. okay let's get back onto the movie because this has been a complete detour uh, yeah. so the crow steals his bag the crow that's secretly a sexy lady also secretly one of the character's aunties yes she's actually old guys um, but yes, the crow steals his bag and takes him on a very wild, very drawn out uh, motorcycle chase into this, into the northeast. If this He's was in- broadcast on TV, I would be cynical and say this action sequence was supposed to be like, hey, boys, you can watch this, too. Yeah, kind of like, well, again, dollar in the gem jar, but that's why so I... many episode breaks have cliffhangers of random types. I was very close to saying that, and I was like, no, I can't mention Jem. But then you did it. Of course I'm going to mention Jem. Like, it's a good example of doll media. Well, actually, that's an interesting parallel, is that Jem was a Saturday morning cartoon based on a doll property, and then so is Bratz. And the only other doll property that was made into a Saturday morning cartoon is Maxi, which comes um, actually quite nicely between them, because Jem is late 80s, Maxi is... 90s did have important toy line tie-ins things like winks and stuff but i think that that's toys from a cartoon not a cartoon to market toys right yeah well actually we should do an episode about winks because i think there'll be a lot a lot to chew through that and i know there's a lot of winks fans out there there's that's another one i don't know a lot about so you could educate me well as a child did you watch uh witch i wasn't allowed to because the name of the show was witch Oh, okay. Um, I forgot you're American and uh, American uh, Catholics be like, oh, American Christians. I, I was raised Catholic. I was um, raised non-denominational with Protestant leanings. <laughs> My mother was raised Lutheran. Um, I was raised super goddamn Catholic, um, but I just, I watched all of the things with witches. I was like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I watched Witch, but I preferred Winks because... Um, there was kind of this like dichotomy between them that like witch was like edgy and had purple and teal and then winks was like sparkly and had like pink and turquoise well and there's like um i had a friend who really liked witch i didn't actually know anyone who liked winks so i was a little bit more exposed to witch than winks 
I think I had like a witch comic book. I should note that it wasn't just the fact that it was called witch. My mom also just like was not a fan of cartoons. She was like thought that they melted your brain. Um, so I didn't watch a lot of kids shows growing up. I watched a lot of adult TV growing up. That explains so much about you. Yeah, it really does. But because of that, I'm a little bit more familiar with Witch. I preferred Witch as a kid, like the character designs, partially because they were a little more anatomically correct and that like appealed to me more, my sensibilities. As an artist. <laughs> I wasn't quite the artiste I am yet, but... I did think that winks were like a little bit weird and spindly and I wasn't like that into it. Well, actually, oddly enough, I think witch is quite a fitting thing to talk about while we talk about Bratz Fashion Pixies because there's definitely some shared DNA there. Um, and I like, again, I don't want this to be taken out of context by some like hysterical fan like listening to this and getting ready to like send me a letter bomb because they think I'm saying something was copied. I just mean, like, I feel like the zeitgeist circa like 2005, there must have been something in the air for like, you know, like all those like stickers you'd get on like MySpace and stuff, which had like glitter effects and they were like sassy pixies with like butterfly wings and stuff. Oh, there definitely was like a fairy trend. That actually reminds me that um, dark blue collector fairy doll that just came out from Mattel. Like that Ooh, really yeah. reminds me of this era of fairy media. I think yeah. that part of that was actually like the girl's version like the girly version of the Harry Potter magic trend that came in, like suddenly fantasy was big again. Oh, that's actually a really good. And the I, had, I hadn't thought of like, that. Like with uh, Winks and the fact that it's like, oh, they're all normal people, but there's also like this secret magical world for special people with magic, but in a girly way. Yeah, I think well, one thing I do really like with, with Winks is that, um, again, like. I like Winks, but I'm not, like, a fan of Winks, so I may get some of this wrong. Um, like, feel free to write in and correct me, people. Like, um, always welcome corrections. So the good characters are the fairies, and they go to Alfreya, and then the bad characters are the witches, and they go to a rival school called Cloud Tower. Yeah, so I don't know that much about Winks, but I would be interested in covering it sometime. Oh, definitely. Um, and I think talking more at depth about this, because I feel like this kind of, um, fa like, for lack of a better term, fashion pixies trend um, that came in around about then is quite interesting, because I feel like a lot of the aesthetic is actually still around when you go into, like, Spencer's Gifts at, like, a mall or something, and you have, like, weird lamps and, like, paperweights and stuff with, okay. uh, with like, that kind of design. My neighbor growing up uh, was this old British woman, and she really liked tchotchkes and knickknacks, and she really liked fairy stuff. And so she'd have like little vintage cherubic fairy babies sitting on a flower ceramic sculptures, but she'd also have like Hot Topic 2000 sexy fairy art in her house. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's a, she's a nice lady. She gave me the porcelain ballerina '90s like Barbie Christmas ornaments. Oh, you love your Barbie Christmas ornaments, don't you? Yes, and she gave me like the porcelain ones I have. Mm. I would like to get some of them. I think I have one that was a gift from my grandma, and all the other ones I have are from her, and they are in their original boxes, but they smell to high heavens because she spilled mm. a bottle of perfume on them. 
I like that. I like that. When you said they smell to high heavens, I was like, oh god, what do they smell of? Uh, old lady perfume, that's what. Oh. Old lady perfume has such a smell to it. It's like a strong, like, potpourri smell. Like, a smell that I can close my eyes and immediately know exactly what it is. I also should note that this lady, I mentioned she's like an old British woman, but she also, like, has a cartoon character British accent, like, like, she sounds like a caricature of British people. Are you sure she's like, actually British and yeah, she's not, she like, is. an American pretending to be for clout? Yes, she is. She's actually a war bride. Her husband was in the military and was in Europe, and that's where they met. Oh, uh, okay. That's actually very sensible and explains it. So she's not, like, an Anna Anderson being like, yes, I am British. No, I think she's... I think she's a northerner, and that's why she sounds different from, like, your type of accent. <laughs> oh, northerners. Like, um, I have learned through being friends with you what the difference there is, because before it was like, yes, I know that there's a difference between these two types of accent, but I don't know what that is. And now I'm like, oh, I bet she's from the north. Yeah. Well, um, I have a, I have a very, very southern accent. If we have any, any like... Um, british listeners i'm sure they will they will they will know exactly what part of the country my accent is from because um i see people on tv or like on youtube or something from within like a couple of town radius of where i live and i'm like oh you're from where i live i always find it amazing that like england has such amazingly specific regional accents i think it's... Here in the U.S., you get a couple accents that are really specific to an area, but then you also have these accents that are like, yeah, you can find this accent over this entire quarter of the country. I think it is literally just because in the past, people were so like locked to a specific area that these accents would just originate in places and then they haven't really gone away because when you're born and then raised with an accent, you just kind of have that accent and nothing really makes it go away unless you purposely try to. Yeah. I I will also say we are 45 minutes into reviewing this movie and we've covered about 15 minutes of it. I feel like that is kind of standard fare for podcasts that do um, reviews of stuff. Um, so yeah. oh, wait, we're, how far into the movie would you say we are? We're, we uh, must be... still on his motorcycle chase into New England. Like, okay. I note that this is a very Californian-looking movie, except for the spooky magic woods, which look like straight out of Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah, like, they teleport from, like, Beverly Hills to, like, a Stephen King novel. In one car ride. It's yeah. uh, within walking distance. It's it's within uh, hyped up, possibly to entertain boys, motorbike chase distance. Um, we did kind of jump ahead when we talked about the fact there's like a weird pseudo S and M scene later on, where um, she's like lover boy, and she like grabs him by the hair and like starts like treating him like a dog, and it's and he's like calling her master and stuff, and it's just very strange. Uh, but yeah, this is where that starts. Yeah, this is yeah, this is where she's like rubbing his tummy and like touching his shoulders, uh, uh, and then wait, wait, wait. We should uh, mention that. Okay, so he crashes his motorcycle in the woods, and then the crow is suddenly a hot girl, but he doesn't oh, yeah. transform, and so that's where she comes into this. Like, it uh, doesn't jump from a motorcycle chase to her rubbing his uh, chest. No, no, no. He crashes the motorcycle, and then there's this like 
And then the motorcycle is like completely ruined, like its wheel has fallen off, and the camera starts like spinning around him as he's getting like more and more terrified because he's in a Stephen King novel now. Um, and then the camera stops directly in front of him, and behind him you see that the motor the motorbike is suddenly completely perfect and untouched, upright, and she is sitting sexily on the motorbike, holding the bag that the the bird had stolen, talking to him, going oh, I think you dropped this. Oh, you wouldn't want to lose your little black book, would you? Yes, and she just, like, starts hanging all over him, and it's very weird. And she's like, oh, you'd like that. So much fun we're going to have. And it's like, oh. And then finding out that she's, like, old enough to probably be his parent, it's like, oh. (laughs) I know. It's so weird. And I, I wonder, like, um, I think the movie must have had, uh, like, like there must have been some kind of change in the story where that was decided, because it doesn't feel like for the first half of the movie they wanted her to be the aunt. Like, and the fact her hairstyle, like, I don't know if we said, but her hairstyle changes completely halfway through the movie. Yeah, she's just Mira shardsing this. <laughs> yeah, it's bonkers. Um, also, on the topic of the outfits and weird production changes, like, going back to them having the outfits redesigned the box art is interesting because when you look at it they actually all have unique outfits um and they're all variations on a theme like there's like empire line roughly tops with the jeans and then somebody has like a denim skirt with like ruffles sewn to it and then somebody else has no skirt and just bell-bottom jeans so you know unique outfits because Something I always think is quite strange about the dolls is that they all have the exact same outfit in different colors, which feels something like is very unbrats. And, and different graphics, too. Oh, yeah. Somebody has like a butterfly on one cheek, and then the other one has the butterfly on the other cheek. And they all have different like patches and graphics on their jeans. Actually, they do. That's a good point, because I know you haven't watched um, any Bratz media, but if we end up watching Bratz... I have now. <laughs> Well, now you have. Well, if people like this and we end up watching Bratz Passion for Fashion, um, that movie kind of originates them having the same outfits because um, they all have the same outfit, but then like a different colored t-shirt and then the t-shirts say something different. And then they've got like a different bedazzled design on there, ironically enough, um, also bell-bottom jeans. Yes. Don't we love them 2000s flares? Hey, bell bottoms are coming back in style. Like fashion is a cycle, and um, and they're coming back. Favorite thing in the world. Mm. Well, to be fair, when they're coming back in, hopefully they'll be like high rise because like low rise jeans are just not a good look anyway. I just I remember wearing flares as a kid, and I always tripped on them and got them caught on things, and I hated it. Yeah, I remember my flares like being completely shredded at the back, like where they were dragging on the ground. I was like a very active like preteen slash teen. Like I was, I was very sporty. I like not to go into where I live because stranger danger. But like I grew up like in a relatively rural area, and I was climbing trees. I was like running around um, in like woods and stuff. And yeah, my my jeans were shredded. Yeah, I definitely was a feral child that ran away around like a uh, larping warrior cats such such an american thing i didn't even i first learned like we're getting off topic again but um when i first learned about warrior cats i assumed it was from like 1995 or something and then finding out it's from like 2004 i was like what the shit 
Yeah, that was my childhood. I I didn't read Harry Potter. I read Warrior Cats, and me and my friends had a clan. I'm scared to ask. Yeah, um, you should be. Let's get going. Also, our clan leader was uh, my best friend, who was also terrifying, and I'm still scared of her to this day. But let's continue. Okay. Um. Well, do you know what I'm scared of to this day? What? Unicorns with butterfly wings growing out their necks. Um, um, that doesn't come in till the end, though. No, 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 it doesn't come till the end, but it's a good segue. Um, also, I feel like it, they bring up an interesting point, is that this movie can't decide what it's trying to sell, because like it keeps focusing on things that aren't toys. Like garden gnomes. Oh my god. Okay, yes. Um, since you like garden gnomes, let's finish up with this scene in the woods. So, um, Auntie McGoth like sexily strokes his face and like rubs his shoulders and tummy and then you hear like in the distance the same like evil edm ufo music and then he's like wow what is that and she's like i'll be only too glad to show you um and then they like walk off but she's like doing a really sexy strut well she like yeah she like lures him into the trees towards the edm music evil edm music because edm music is evil if you go to a rave you are the antichrist i mean that basically is the message of this movie it's super Um, weird because it's like making all the things it's trying to sell out to be evil okay so when we were watching this you did ask me um about like were children afraid to dance to this and before youtube nuked the comments on um the video um Loads of them were people going like, oh, as a child, I loved the music, but I was afraid to dance to it because I thought it was evil or because, okay, like jumping ahead in the plot because nothing really happens. You get this, like, there's another scene where they're talking about Cymbeline, who is the 18 year old sister, or almost 18. And they're like, oh, where is she? I don't know. And the other one's like, oh, well, she's so together. She's so sensible. And then they're like, I don't know. It's like, she's changed somehow. I'm thinking Cymbeline might be a little bit younger than turning 18 because they mentioned the fact that you are supposed to get your fairy wings when you turn 18 and she wants them early, which is part of the problem between her and her dad is that he won't give her wings early and her aunt does. Oh, okay. Maybe she, do you think, oh God, is she supposed to be 16? I swear to God, if the characters are 15 or something, I'm going to blow a gasket because... I think she's supposed to be like in that 16, 17 range because she's like wanting her wings early but he's like no you gotta wait okay okay i'm gonna definitely go 16 17 because the brats do stuff that like obviously like there's a certain level of like wish fulfillment in like um media for children where like younger people do things they wouldn't be able to but the brats do things that are completely in a motorcycle yeah, like, Dylan has a motorcycle, like, in the cartoon, like, proper, they run a magazine. They go clubbing to, like, nightclubs. Um, they have implied, like, cocktails, which I never stated to be cocktails. They normally call them smoothies or something. Like, um, it's that's one thing. Nicolata. Um, Okay, they are delicious, though. But, like, that is actually one thing that really makes me laugh, is... um. Going back to the secret date dolls I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons parents complained about them is because they came with a champagne bottle and champagne glasses, and it was like listed on the um, contents as like bottle of smoothie, <laughs> which should have just called it sparkling cider. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, people would probably that looks the same. 
people would still probably be like, Cider's alcoholic. And, you know, poor MGA just can't catch a break because parents be hating. Yeah, well, sometimes they deserve it. Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> I'm editing that out because I want um, um, our MGA overlords to give me a job. Okay, anyway, let's get back to the evil EDM luring people into the woods with sex appeal. <laughs> I should also notice that there's some scenes where, like, the camera begins on this character's butt and then, like, has her walk away and it pans out to show everything else. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a choice. Um, oh, I think it was weird that it was like, okay, being so sexualized with this one character. And I'm like, oh, it's because she's 40. She it's is because she's 40. Um, Cougar ant. Oh my god, don't. Um, also, there's like lots of weird running for no reason. Like, the next scene starts with characters running from across like the area where the scene is taking place. They start r running to each other and they're like yelling to each other as they're like running and then they like converge in the middle. It's just, I don't know, it's very strange. Yeah, and like every shot of people running in this movie looks incredibly strange. Well, yeah, because like the Bratz cartoon isn't made for them to run. It's made for them to like walk around and like dance. Well, which... like, like run with their knees straight up and like they don't quite move fast as fast as their strides should be taking them uh it's it's like weird. they're moving faster like their bodies are moving faster than they're actually making progress in moving yeah it's almost like this didn't have a very good animation budget or something the something um also did you ever watch but ugly martians as a kid no Oh, okay, that is like a notoriously bad TV show. This was made by the same animation studio, Mike Young Productions. Oh, okay, because yeah, I'm familiar with the name. I just never watched it. Yeah, I think it's cartoons it, melt your brain. Yeah, um, my like, I was like, I th I think I think this is quite an interesting um difference between us. Is like you were banned from watching TV, but I was. <laughs> Um, like, I wasn't one of those children that was, like, left in front of the TV to watch it, like, an unlimited amount, but, um, I, I, like, like, when my family wanted to watch something on TV, like, I was the youngest and, in most cases, only child in family settings, um, and almost always the youngest. Um, I would always be, like, parceled off to the side to watch the TV in the kitchen, um, and I would almost always end up watching like Boomerang or something like re-airing cartoons from the 70s. So I didn't really realize that these cartoons from the 70s were from the 70s. I was like, oh, these are just like normal cartoons and they are made for my generation. <laughs> oh, also we should save soon. Um, okay, we'll take a break here. Okay, so yeah, she walks off into the trees with her hips swinging wildly. Jump cut to the scene we already spoke about where the characters are running, but it's like they're kind of like oh. flailing and also, their like hair is... There's like this tracking shot, tracking this thing that looks like a dead leaf as it goes down and falls onto the character's head. And she's like, oh, pretty. Now, I realized later that these are supposed to be flower petals from the plot-relevant flowered tree, but it looked like a dead leaf. Yeah, I don't think we covered this. So the centre plot of the movie is 
Well, I mean, as far as the human characters are concerned, what is happening is they're getting ready for a big charity ball um, held in the town square called the Magnolia Ball. It's going to be around this great big magnolia tree that is apparently a landmark of the town. Um, and the the things falling on people's heads are magnolia petals. And then there'll be like a fantasy music sting of like twinkling sounds. And the characters will like look poignantly at the leaf slash petal. Yeah, it looks like a dead leaf, but it's supposed to be a beautiful flower petal. A poignant flower petal. Okay, next scene is older sister who may be 16, maybe 18, we don't know, sneaking out of the house where crimped hair oh, baby sister. Oh, we didn't... Uh... We didn't talk about what all the friends are doing, where they're all worried about their friend that we've never met before this movie, who's acting not like herself, but this is all she's ever acted like as far as the audience is concerned. Well, I did skim over it briefly before the uh, the cut, but um, you're right, is want to point out Sasha's shirt graphic looks like a bad iron on. Well, these are their um their brats class doll outfits. Which... It looks like a bad iron on that her class did on a school inkjet printer. So yeah, it, well, it's interesting because one thing that I I think again is like shared DNA between the Gem cartoon and the Bratz cartoon is you know how like in Gem they would change their outfit all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in Bratz they do too, and then the outfits they'll change between will be like outfits that were on the market when the models were made for the original tv show so the original the original series um which starts in it's like it officially starts in um 2005 so it ties in with the the brats the god damn it not the live action movie um (laughs) it ties in what sorry i just like i love when they finally finish their conversation and decide to go off to help their friend and they just abandon an entire helium tank in the park. I mean, that's just set dressing. It doesn't matter. Anyway, um, what I was going to say, I'll just finish that point quickly. Um, so it was originally made in 2005 to tie in with um, the Rock Angels movie. So the fashions they wear um, are dolls that were available in 2005. So they wear like the Pretty and Punk and Tokyo A Go-Go fashions. Um and then by the time the second series was made, two years after the series finished, um, they're still wearing those fashions, even though they were like not currently available dolls. But then they kind of add um, some current fashions like uh, Ooh La La and Bratz Class into the mix, which is what they're wearing in this movie. Um, oddly enough, um, the outfits are kind of divvied up um, a, like a tiny bit weirdly, which actually does come up in in Brat stuff every so often. Is like characters will wear other characters' fashions. Um, so like if a character that isn't in the TV show had a doll, they would assign that outfit to like the closest design wise. So like, uh, Kumi is like an Asian character who is the other Asian character besides Jade. And, like, if she had a doll and they wanted to have that doll's outfit in the cartoon, they would give it to Jade. Um, Stuff like that. Because they're all interchangeable. Well, like, kind of, yeah. Because, like, Brad's dolls are basically the same. (laughs) Which, I mean... they all kind of look the same. I mean, you know... I think it's confusing when they keep, like, changing hairstyle models on these. And it's like... Okay, um... They all look the same and now they all have the same hairstyle. Like... 
again, like, if you haven't ever watched the Bratz cartoon, the hair animation in it is really good. Like, they have, like, hair that looks like you could, like, brush it, which is probably the logic. They were like, these dolls have hair you need to brush. We need to show that on TV. It really does inform what was going on with the Barbie Diaries movie, which I think you and I will have to watch together sometime. Because Yeah, I, I haven't watched Barbie Diaries. because uh, is, I feel like, such a response to Bratz. Like, it's not trying to be edgy, but it's trying to be relatable, and it's art style, I think, is more comparable to the vibe of the Bratz stuff I've seen. Oh, yeah. Well, Barbie Diaries comes out a year after the Bratz TV show. So it would have probably been Mattel's response to the Bratz TV show being insanely popular. Um, And the thing is, like, as a child, um, so when did it come out? It came out in 2006. So I would have been, okay, I would have been 10. um, That's also, I think, the first time Barbie really had an Asian friend in a Barbie movie. Oh, it. It is, isn't it? Because Kira was never in any um, media. Um, I mean, not counting Dana and Barbie and the Rockers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Barbie and the Rockers doesn't even get counted by Mattel people. I read an article talking about that uh, the 90s Barbie computer games. I was talking about this is the first time Barbie would be seen in two-dimensional animation. I'm like, what? <laughs> Well, interestingly enough, I've read, and I'm not sure how confirmed it is, but I've read that the Barbie and the Rockers movie was actually a pilot for a Barbie Saturday morning cartoon Mattel was working on with uh, Dick um, Entertainment, Dick, rather, um, to compete with the Gem cartoon. And then they had a falling out. And the reason that the movie is like two episodes put together is because they were the only two episodes produced before Mattel and the studio um, like fell, fell out with each other. Yeah, um, that's an interesting movie. We'll have to talk about it on this sometime. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely well we'll definitely do Barbie and the Rockers. Um, anyway, um, God, where were we? Um, uh, right now, the sisters sneaking out. Okay, so sisters yeah, we- sneaking out, and little sister, like a disapproving parent, is waiting for her. And at this point in the movie, you don't know they're like fairies, so they kind of like sort of dancing around the fairy thing without saying it like she keeps going well how did you get your early birthday present and like in retrospect you're like oh the early birthday presents the wings um and the voice acting here is actually really good yeah um there's some really good delivery from the older sister because at first she's being very aggressive with the younger sister to try and get her not to tell their dad and then she, she like grabs her arm and threatens her like, and it- catch more flies with honey sweetie and so she just, like, turns on this super sweet act and being like, oh, us sisters gotta stick together so you won't turn me into dad, right? Yeah, she turns it around from, like, grabbing her arm and she's like, if you tell dad, you can forget you've ever had a sister. And then the younger sister's like, um, you're scaring me. And then she's like, oh, um, sisters have to stick together, don't they? So you won't tell dad, will you? Yeah, it's um, actually some really good voice acting. Like, I know, actually honestly, quite good writing. Voice acting in this is honestly fine. It's just that this stood out to me as being some of the better acting in the movie. Well, I do think it's actually a really good scene because, like, you can tell. Like, I know we've kind of like made fun of the animation a little bit. Um, and some of the like weirder plot points, like it feels like some stuff's like disjointed, like the aunt flirting with like a villain and stuff but 
that you can definitely tell the people making it like cared about it because there's a lot of world building that is isn't super obvious world building and is quite strange number one things i noticed watching this is that there's definitely like two sides to the writing there's a side that's like plot driven character driven it's trying to tell a story and then there's the side that's like advertising toys and fashion dolls and so it's like we haven't gotten to it yet but there's the scene where one of the characters is getting very emotional about her mother that disappeared. And she's like, my last memory of my mother, all tearing up. She took us shopping. <laughs> and I just like this, it's just, oh, it's just such a tonal whiplash at times. But this is definitely one of those like character plot driven scenes that allows itself to be a little more heavy without trying to like market a toy. Yeah, and you can tell the people writing it like did care because they put the thought. It wasn't just like they have an argument. It was like they start to have an argument, and then the older sister is like savvy enough to realize that like her younger sister idolizes her and is very naive, and she can take advantage of that. Um, also, going back to what um, you said earlier, um, I think it's interesting that characters constantly talk about how the older sister has changed. And you're presented with her being a very like flippant and narcissistic and quite manipulative character throughout the movie. And then in the last like 15 minutes of the movie, you find out she's actually under an evil spell. The spell gets broken and suddenly she has the same personality as her younger sister. Yeah, it's um, it's weird. Like, I definitely can see that, okay, yeah, you want to explain away just how mean she's being as... She's under the influence of the dark magic, but at the same time, like, it was just a weird turnaround because this is not a character we got to meet at any point in the movie. No. The thing is, like, again, like, I do like Bratz, and I know there's a lot of nostalgia for the Bratz cartoon, and, like, going back into this movie being kind of a weird outlier, um, there's a couple of other movies after this that are also weird outliers, but then, um... Later on in the franchise's like development, um, something really interesting happens, and I think it's notable that MGA kind of becomes aware at how much nostalgia is actually directed at the original Saturday Morning Kids cartoon because the last movie for that is in 2006, which is Passion for Fashion Diamonds. And then a year later, you get Bratz Fashion Pixies, which is so disconnected from the cartoon. It's crazy. And then after that, you don't get another movie for a few years because you get a Bratz Kids movie, you get a Bratz Babies movie, you get a Bratz Kids movie. Then you get Bratz Girls Really Rock, which is the last sort of major movie before stuff starts to get really weird with the lawsuit, um, which is also like a very strange movie because as well as um, being very detached from the world the show built, um, it also... Um, I won't go into it too much because I have a feeling we'll probably end up watching it at some point, but it 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 does stuff that the other movies do but without the need to do it in a very weird way. Um, and then after that, you get a couple more movies that, again, have nothing to do with the the TV show. And then you get Bratz Desert Jewels, which was released in 2012 after the lawsuit had all been cleared up. And it is a direct sequel to the second Bratz movie from 2006 and brings back all of the characters from that movie, which had been ignored since then, and really hammers home the stuff from the 
from the Saturday morning cartoon and all of the characters are referencing it. They bring back the original voice actors. They bring back the original animation models. And I, I think it's really interesting that MGA had the, um, the sort of self-awareness to, to recognize um, that because it wasn't even 10 years later and they were already recognizing like the huge nostalgia for their property, which again is something I think MGA is really savvy with is tapping into Bratz nostalgia because um, even though the Bratz collector dolls didn't do that well. um, I think that was more because they had some production quality issues. Yeah. Well, I think, I think they did like, as a design, I think they were really good, but I think, like, I really like Hayden Williams' fashion design. I think he is a really great fashion designer. And I also think he seems like a really nice person. Um, I just, I think, I think he wasn't designing for a doll. He was just doing nice fashion designs because some of the stuff didn't really translate. Like the knee high socks and stilettos that Yasmin wore that ended up being like weird like leg warmers with like flocked shoes it was strange yeah um anyway back to the movie oh yeah anyway so the point i was going for that um before the weird detour about the collector dolls was uh basically that um i don't know if you have seen but um mj is launching a brat's tie-in clothing line now with like bags and jeans and like hoodies and stuff with the brat's logo and stuff on it it's adult clothing with brat stuff yeah, so it's like the girls that would have been buying like the Bratz lifestyle stuff in like 2005 are like buying this stuff now, which I think is really cool because they're like making an effort to like mature the brand with the original audience. Well, and they definitely do that with Barbie. They offer lots of Barbie stuff for adults. Yeah, but the Barbie stuff offered to adults is so like detached from the Barbie toy stuff like a lot of the stuff for adults uses the 90s and 80s logos which I love I love them because they're the logos people are really nostalgic for like all the uh, like Machino stuff used that um, but then Barbie's using its original like uh, 1959 logo and it, it just seems so like it's almost like Mattel wants to create like a partition between Barbie the lifestyle stuff that they make and then Barbie the doll and I, I, I don't think that's always a, a super good idea. Yeah, well, there's a real mix of the different logos on different products. I think most of the stuff I've bought has mostly had the 59 logo, but I'm also a huge sucker for 60s Barbie, so I've always been kind of partial to the vintage logo. I like the great big blocky 90s logo, and I really like the swirly, like romantic 80s logo. And I think that that's a little bit because I was born in the late 90s, so when I was starting to become really aware of branding, I guess, the blocky 90s logo, that was old. That was, you know, passe. That was old Barbie. The current Barbie had the cute 2000s loopy logo. And so, I don't know, to me, like, I do like the 90s logo because it's so iconic, but also I have some sort of bias from my childhood against it because that was old barbie yeah but not old enough to be vintage no because um even as a child you were like a vintage snob whereas as a child i, I was like it. give me all of the blonde superstar dolls i need them i like i lived off of reading price guides as a child I know you mentioned, like, when I said I grew up on adult TV, and you said that enjoy that, like, explains a lot about you as a person. And, like, I feel like that also explains a lot about me as a person. So, well, I read price guides as a small child. 
I, we're still in the early episodes of our podcast, so I feel like listeners um, might not have an amazing feel for who we are as people yet, but like I did do that too. Like I also grew up like mooning over like um, early like Barbie collector websites and like looking at like dolls that I had no idea how to like buy or even that sort of a conception that I could even buy them and just think, wow, they're so cool. And I would like read information sites for like old dolls from like the seventies and eighties. And, uh, uh, that was just so exciting to me as a child, Mm -hmm. which is ironic because, um, I was very, like, like I've said, I was very into Bratz. My mum didn't let me have much Bratz stuff. It wasn't like a, their slutty thing. It was like, uh, she bought me, um, the Bratz secret date set with Chloe. Um, and I didn't really play with it much. And she was like, well, you didn't play with that. So I'm not going to buy you any other Bratz stuff. Um, which is fair. You know, that does make sense. But, um, but like going back to the Barbie Diaries thing, like the point I was going to make on it that I never actually got to finish, and I'll probably like um, elaborate on when we do an episode about Barbie Diaries. But when that came out, I remember the girls I was friends with in school and me were really angry about it coming out because to us, like we were angry that Mattel was in our eyes copying MGA, and I remember us sitting on like. Um, like uh one of those like benches table things where you could like sit and eat, eat um outside at like lunchtime and and like we we were like really vitriolic we were like um they're just copying brats yeah barbie's so old-fashioned yeah oh they just want to be like brats and i think like i think part of that was probably like the not so subtle propaganda of the brats cartoon like letting us know that Barbie was old and desperate. Um, and it was also the fact that the Barbie Diaries animation is like very clearly like copying um, the Bratz animation. Yeah, it is the only movie that looks like that. And I did like that movie as a kid. I had the DVD of it, but I always like hated the animation style. <laughs> well, uh, it's interesting because... There's some weird stuff in that movie. Well, don't tell me too much, because I'd be interested to watch it. Because, again, I never watched it, because I was, like, drunk on that Bratz Kool-Aid and was convinced it was uh, evil. Yeah, I think you'll understand what I mean by, like, it's very much, like, um, playing into the trends that created Bratz, like, wanting to be relatable, make Barbie a teenager, put her in high school. But it's still very much a Barbie movie in how all the characters are characterized. It's actually, like... I'd say it's a very Barbie-filtered version of Mean Girls. I've actually never seen Mean Girls either. Well, uh, you might want to watch it if we're going to watch Barbie Diaries so you can understand what I mean. That's like my homework. Required reading is uh, watching Mean Girls. Yes. Well, this is the thing. is like I've actually, like, please listeners don't stop listening, um, but I've never actually seen Star Wars either because I'd never seen these movies um and then at a certain point, people were so obsessed with the movies, it turned me off of them. And I was like, I'm not going to watch this, like, on principle. Like, um, I remember being a teenager and, like, girls, like, still, rap- like, referencing Mean Girls and, like, being really into it. And I just thought, this is stupid. I don't want to watch this because these people are annoying me. <laughs> okay, this is going to say something about me as a person again, but I watched Mean Girls because it was a requirement to earn a Girl Scout badge. 
you saying that about Girl Scouts is funny to me because um, I was kicked out of Boy Scouts as a child because my mum had said like over dinner one night that she thought my scout leader looked like a meerkat. And the next time I was in Scouts, I ran up to him and said, my mum thinks you look like a meerkat. Um, and um, <gasps> yeah, he never spoke to her again. And then she like pulled me out because it was so awkward. That's such a weird thing to, like, take offense at. Yeah, I feel like an eight-year-old running up to him being like, my mom says you look like a meerkat is, like, I feel like he was the childish one. Yeah, like, I don't think that's something to um, ruin a relationship over. Well, the thing is, it wasn't, like... friend in uh, middle school told me I looked like a vulture because of my nose. Oh my god. The (laughs) anti-Semitism. Yeah. Oh my god. Um well the thing is it wasn't it wasn't even like a physical thing. It's not like he was like, Oh, you look like a meerkat your face is like whatever. It was because he was like always and like even now I can remember it really vividly, like he was always like standing up, like and stretching himself out and like like looking around the room to like make sure everybody was doing what they were supposed to be doing. Which I guess is kind of required when you're dealing with like a horde of like feral eight year old boys like running around. But you know. Yeah. Well, you know, little girls can be feral too. I did work at a Girl Scout camp for a time being. And, oh my uh, god. Yeah, yeah, I had a horde of second graders attempt to pants me once. Oh my god. For like a half hour while the actual adults, because I was like a teen helper, like I wasn't a full-fledged leader, like now the adult adults were paying attention. Anyway, we should talk about fashion pixies some more. Yeah, we should, we should. Um, a closing note I have on that is that children can smell weakness. And um, That I was think my that's... first year. That was my first year working at that camp. Oh, they could definitely smell weakness then. But you know how... No, okay, getting back onto the toy media and children smelling weakness, like a good segue, I think. I think it's really interesting how children perceive things to be cool or uncool. Like, you know, like the fact that as a child, me and my friends had made the conscious decision that Bobby Diaries is uncool because Bratz is cool and this is like two ends of the spectrum. Like this, like the, we couldn't like both. We had to like one or the other. And I, I think that's very interesting. Well, and I, I was I, never a Bratz kid. But it was mostly just because I liked things where their head was, like, proportional-ish to the body. Yeah. I well, also I don't... did not like their whole detached feet thing. Like, if you lose a shoe, you should not have to lose the entire foot. That just bothered me. I don't think my my brat's face could have lasted that long. Um, because, like, I grew up loving Barbie, and I... I I was very much like even when Bratz was happening and Bratz was cool, I was still very into Barbie. Um and then it was when I was um like ten, I had a friend who had like lots of brats and um she 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 had like every single toy you could imagine. And um I think like it was like everybody else thinks Bratz is better than Barbie, therefore Bratz is better than Barbie, which um, you know, you're ten, you don't really have a filter for like what is uh peer pressure and like having your own like taste level and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I love how Bratz's whole thing is like express yourself, be yourself, be a unique person. All Barbies are the same, but then Bratz also like tells you what to think. 
Yeah, and there is a certain irony with that because um, I understand Bratz kind of dumping on Barbie being a central figure, whereas Bratz is allegedly uh, more of a like a cast without a centralized character. But the thing is, like Teresa and Barbie and like Christy and Midge and Kira, they all have a very distinct face that is different from one another. Whereas Bratz is the same face. They really are. And that's actually, you know, one of the other reasons I wasn't as into them as a kid was I was like, why even have multiple of any character or something? Like, they all just kind of, other than their hair color and eye color, they all looked very similar. Well, I think this is something that MGI was quite ingenious about in that different lines often had completely different paint styles for the faces. Like, the Tokyo Agogo dolls have very anime eyes. And, like, the Ulala dolls have a almost, like, minimalistic, like, very um, stylized face. And it makes the different lines really stand out as, like, different entities. That is something that I am aware of as an adult, but that's kind of my perception of it as a kid. I didn't really own any Bratz, but when I, like, played with Bratz dolls at friends' houses, and I was like, oh, these... Like, they don't have elbows. That was another thing. Like, I realize a lot of Barbies don't have elbows, but my Barbies that did have elbows were the top of the hierarchy. Yeah. Um, we. I don't think we've spoken about this on mic much, but um, as children, we both had, like, um, like, Barbie cast systems with, like, Barbies that were superior and Barbies that were, like, unloved because they were, uh, like, straight arm, straight leg, like, uh, like matted uh knickelon hair yeah uh for me 90s superstar sculpt blonde barbies were the bottom of the cast system because yeah. me, like they looked old and they all looked the same that well, was like, from... my childhood opinion i kept come around more on 90s barbie sense but yeah because i'm like a 90s barbie stan and like constantly i'm like no 90s barbie 90s barbie was good actually funny because like i am like in a huge doll nerd but like 90s barbie is a real gap in my knowledge because for such a long time i had a prejudice against it <laughs> well i think it's funny that um like obviously listener you have seen our cover art you may have seen our instagram or even our website um our branding for this podcast is super 80s um well, I'll and, 80s superstar. It's 90s superstar I didn't like as a kid. Yeah, but that, what I mean is, um, I think it's funny that we, like, I think up until this episode, we've been kind of focused on 80s stuff. Like, a lot of the, the interviews we've had have been 80s related. Um, and I think it's interesting that watching something from when we were children has kind of triggered us talking about our childhood in a way that we haven't in other episodes. Yeah, say like a lot of my uh, childhood opinions of vintage are actually very 70s oriented because mm. I had a lot of random 70s Best Buy stuff in my secondhand doll clothes I had. So I do have childhood opinions on 70s barbie clothes and a couple 80s outfits but yeah it's i have opinions on the 2000s because that is when i was a child um i think maybe another episode could be about this because i don't think we should get into it too much now but i do think it's interesting how barbie is kind of a time capsule of fashion 
And then when you get like the communal box of Barbie clothes, like passed down from generation to generation, you kind of end up being exposed to fashion from like a couple of generations before you were born in a really interesting way. Cause like, I know for me, I got my cousin's dolls from the eighties. So I w- I grew up in the like nineties and two thousands playing with dolls from the early eighties through to the mid nineties. Um, because, um, oddly enough, my, um, my youngest cousin, um, well, my youngest female cousin, so she would have been the one getting the dolls. Um, she actually played with dolls until she was about 16. So she, she was very much like a doll person. I mean, she's not like a collector now, but she was, I mean, she could have been if the, if the conditions had been right, she was very unprepared to give up like dolls. She was like, no, these are my dolls. And then eventually they got like given to me. (laughs) Anyway, fashion pixies. Yeah. Um, listeners, I don't know if I've edited that out, but we have just gone on a, a godforsaken tangent for what seems like days. Yeah. uh, Bring up, let's get back to the movie multiple times. Yeah, well, don't act like I'm the one going on the tangent because you're just as guilty as I am. I'm participating. How long? Let's get back to the movie. You go, okay, but one more thing first. (laughs) Okay, well, you know, this movie is an hour long and we are only quarter of an hour into it and we have already been recording for an hour and a half. Yeah, um, so older sister's friends have turned up and are trying to have an intervention. Oh yeah, they're like, are you addicted to drugs? What are you doing? Like, why Why are you missing the planning meetings for the charity ball? Why are you sleeping in class? Um, and then they break into her house. Um, they break into the property anyway. It's like a gated property. After the little sister gets like pressured by the big sister into turning them away at the intercom. Yeah, she's like, you tell them to go away. And then um, Yasmin and Chloe... Um, on the like, sister's like, I can't have friends over because um homework, my dad says so by not answering questions. Oh, also, um earlier in the movie at the scene with the helium tank and the dead leaves, um, it's established by Jade, who for some reason in this movie is characterized as like a worry wart goody two shoes, even though in other Bratz media she's very like almost a tomboy she's quite sassy um to write a paper about law enforcement and i'm like okay so jade's a bootlicker in this um political um but yeah earlier in the scene it's established that nobody has ever gone to these girls house because their dad is like legendarily strict and scary and jade is like you know how strict their dad is nobody's ever been invited to their house um which again is because they're fairies, but also makes it feel like they're in a cult. Yeah, so they break in and two of them stay outside with the car, you know, the getaway vehicle. And the other they didn't want in. to break in. Yes. Oh also, um, as a side note, um, I don't know what you're imagining as the setting for them breaking in, but their the house they break into is as far as I know, a completely original animation model. So this was a active choice and not just asset reuse. It is a monstrous mismatch of modern architecture and Art Nouveau stuff. Like the gate to the house is Art Nouveau. The greenhouse is Art Nouveau. The 
Oh, the doorbell is like a weird, like gothic Celtic design, but then the house is just like modern cubist. Yeah, well, and I should note that all the stuff for the charity ball magnolia dance is also Art Nouveau, like lettering on the banner and such. So I think this um, this movie has made a definite choice that fairy equals Art Nouveau. Which I think is kind of an established thing, and I like it. It's a strong choice. It's like an artistic direction. Yeah. And again, like, I know people can probably be... um, cruel to this movie because of the limited animation budget but i do think the creative choices they actually took for representing fairies is interesting and unique yeah some of the choices are weird but some of them are like i approve yeah they're like good weird like the mushroom thing again which again is very like hot topic edgy fairy we'll get to the thing so after they break into the house um they're like creeping around and they keep like bumping into this like lawn gnome and knocking it over then there's this really bizarre animation of them like tiptoeing for like two seconds it is such a wonky movement it's so weird i feel like they couldn't get the animation models like like ankles to move properly well yeah but i also feel like because the whole scene is taking place on like kind of a slopey hill i feel like the animation models were made to be on flat surfaces and like they can't quite make them like animate properly on a curved surface like the hill they're on uh possibly i think it's also just tying back around to how weird the thing is that they just start like have a hard time with (laughs) that aren't walking uh, can you repeat that? Sorry, because my sneeze ruined it. Um, so I think that tying back around to how weird the running animations in this movie are, that it's just that they aren't very good at animating these character models doing basically anything that isn't walking, because, like, as we'll get to, the dancing is weird, too. <laughs> I feel like the dancing is is weird, but again, the movie makes it work. Like, the creative choices they take... If this movie had come out a couple years later, Dylan would have been twerking in some of these scenes. Well, this is the 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 weird thing is like I don't think we've said, but after Dylan is like bewitched and like sexually enslaved by the cougar, um, he is like high constantly and like singing like weird like um like kind of scary nursery rhymes about like catching things and like uh and like being trapped and he's like doing weird like um like irish dancing like ballet moves and like skipping around constantly it's bizarre with some weird like whipping his head around more modern dance elements thrown in but only when the edm um ufo is around because then everybody seems to like their animation like aligns with the music and they all start like sort of gyrating and like shaking their arms like they're having a seizure i have to I will definitely say their movements match the music. I won't necessarily call it dancing. <laughs> yeah, it's rhythmic movement. Um, so going back to the um, breaking and entering, um, you go, you, you, so well, going like back. Greenhouse. The greenhouse is the next part. Yeah. So going back to the aforementioned breaking and entering, um, you end up at the Art, Art Nouveau greenhouse and you get the first sort of occurrence of like a tiny pixie person who is like a quarter of the size of the normal people. Yeah, so we see a fuzzy man who sort of looks like their dad, but also not. 
through the uh, frosted glass and he's talking to like this tiny floating glowing person about some like, oh no, there's secrets that can't be told. Well, the the tiny secret we both know because somebody is conveniently eavesdropping. Yeah, the the tiny pixie person spouts some like grade A exposition and is like, the good people of the Freelands are in danger. Lena's evil magic has returned, and you're like, ooh, what's happening? Yeah, but then of course one of them trips over the garden gnome and then alerts the people talking to the fact they're being eavesdropped on. Yeah, I would point out that her tripping over the garden gnome isn't what makes the sound that alerts them. It's that she trips over the garden gnome and then, like, shrieks in terror because it's the same garden gnome they tripped over earlier. And apparently it's, like, inconceivable to her that these people have, like, identical garden gnomes and she thinks it's, like, followed them. Yeah, but then as they're crouching and hiding, the door to the greenhouse opens and it's there. The girl's father, who steps out and looks around before closing the door again. In his normal animation model. I, I don't think we've said, but like the sort of looking like is because he looks musclier and has hair. Yes, he has a full head of hair instead of a partial head of hair. Okay, and then here is the, the um, triumphant return of the EDM UFO. Oh, are we... Yeah, it's it's this soon already. I didn't mention that uh, right before she trips over the garden gnome, there's like this weird point of view shot of a camera like running up behind the hiding girls. Like, did you see that? Uh, I think that's supposed to be the garden gnome. Yeah, you get a point of view shot from the garden gnome, which um, you know, is is indeed actually alive and following them. It's not an identical garden gnome. Yeah, no, it, it is following them. But, you know, that wouldn't be my first thing to jump to if I tripped yeah. over a garden gnome. Same. Like, I live in a rental house that is completely surrounded. The uh, land around it is filled with these little garden gnomes that are all, like, the same gnome in different poses. And they were here when we moved in. Like... And I say that because I love gnomes, so I have my own gnomes, but these are not my gnomes. But they all that's, have the same outfit. That's very amusing to me. Um, yeah, so the uh, the uh, girls run over to the edge of the precipice where the EDM UFO has appeared in the past, just in time to see the EDM UFO return. Well, the crimped hair younger sister like finds them, and, and she's like, Oh, why are you here? And then they're like... Can't be uh, here. Bad things will happen if outsiders or if I have friends over. Yeah, it's like more cult talk. And then like they hear the UFO um playing the EDM music and they're like, What the hell is that? And they like push past her and she just kind of stands there looking like she's gonna cry, like flapping her arms, going, Wait, no, you can't see it. And they like run over to like the cliff face where like there's like strobe lights, there is like EDM music, and the older sister is like standing there like a sacrifice on the edge of the cliff. And then she's like engulfed with like glitter and then grows wings and then jumps off into the ufo yeah i should know that there isn't like a literal flying saucer or anything it's just there's a lot of lights and music that seem to just happen well it's interesting because they don't really have it as a solid thing in this scene but like in the first scene you see it when it's supposed to be like more mysterious it is very much like a 
glowing orb of like red energy like whizzing around the screen and then like engulfing her and then like you see the horrified look of the younger sister um okay this is where the foot fetish shit happens uh yeah or at least the stuff that i dubbed as such so um the girls start yelping in pain and you find out that the gnome is alive and is biting their feet but you get these really awful biting sound effects that are like like a like they must have had like the voice out actor like eat an apple or something into the microphone like it sounds so visceral yeah and like i don't know i'm just um, i feel uh, like this is definitely a fetish for someone like a tiny gnome biting oversized feet <laughs> And then they just start running away from him and screaming in terror. And he, like, chases after them, screaming, like, racist at people things, being like, oh my god, you, like, non-fairy folk, you're garbage, like, get out of here. Yeah, he's like, you scummy humans. (laughs) But but then you find out, because, okay, now they, like, they jump in the car, and then, like, Jade and Sasha are like, oh my god, what's wrong with them? And they, like, drive away. And then it just cuts to the next day at school, and you get... Wait, wait, you're forgetting that there's, like, a scene after they've driven off where the gnome, like, looks at the camera and seems to speak to the viewer and yell, like, slurs against humans at... Ah, yeah, he's like, he's like, you goddamn, like, dirty non-fairies, like, you better not come around here again, like, looking at the camera. And it's weird. I did forget that, you're right. Um, And then... Like, naturally, he did not say, God damn, this is a kid's movie. They can only allow cougars. Um, yeah, this is a kid's movie where the immediate next scene is her going, lover boy, mm, and, like, oh, stroking boy. his chin like a dog. There? Yes, and he's, like, calling her master. And um, there is actually a tiny, there is, like, again, like, there's a, some jokes in this movie that I think are really funny. And there's a joke that he's, like, spelling everything out loud, like spelling bee style and she's like shut up you are my servant because you are under a spell you are not my spelling servant and that did make me laugh like maybe i just have a childish sense of humor maybe it's kind of a fun play on words oh my god she she grabs him by the ear and like pulls him in oh wait no i thought she was grabbing his hair but she's grabbing his ear i think you're right it is the hair it's hard to tell because it's happening on the side of his side of his head that you can't see dusty lips his dusty lips are here again yeah oh my god i don't think we went into this um on mic yet but he his lips are like several shades paler than his skin it looks like he's wearing like a frosty lip gloss yeah his lips are like i don't like it when they don't allow male characters to have a lip color because then they just look like they have these weird blob mouths and it looks terrible but also, like, the color they've given his mouth is so weird. Yeah. Well, speaking of weird mouth colors, the next scene has Jade wearing this, like, disgustingly pale pink lipstick that is not in the cartoon. Um, and it it is so pale, it, like, blends in with her sort of peachy skin tone. And it looks like she hasn't got, well, depending on the frame, it looks like she hasn't got, like, animated lips. It's just, it's strange. Um, um, but also this scene again is like, but also this scene is like Emma Kate said, it's got this weird, like it kind of like frenetic jumping between like being a fashion doll movie and being like a plot movie because 
they interrupt having a serious conversation to be like, oh, I love your boots. And she's like, thanks, I got them on sale. And then it immediately goes back into them like being hysterical and saying that they were chased by a little man. Yeah, and she's like, oh no, you gotta stop reading those fairy stories. That- she calls them pixie stories. Thank you very yeah, much. We can't there use is- the word fairy. Barbie uses the word fairy. But there is branding. Belittle them. We also want to belittle the stories as being Barbie-like, because Barbie does fairy tale movies. There is branding to maintain, okay. Yes, we can't use the word fairy, even though everything in this movie is more like a fairy than a pixie, but... Well, I mean, to me, a pixie is like a smaller, non-winged creature than a fairy. Well, I think a pixie can have wings or not, but they are small. Like, going back to, like, a caste system kind of thing, like, as far as I'm concerned, pixies are, like, lower down on that pecking order than fairies. Like, I feel like fairies are, like, basically humans with wings, unquestionable morals. And then pixies are kind of, like, subhuman, like, beneath the pixies, like, subservient to the, like, subservient to the fairies. You have some uh, weird specific opinions about this. Also, I want to say, I think it's funny how short Chloe's hair is here seeing how freakishly long her hair was the night before. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, this is this is her default hair from the cartoon, the Saturday night. Actually, interestingly enough, these three, well, actually all four of the characters here have their default hairstyles from the cartoon. That would be their hairstyle they almost always had. So Jade has the, the like, space buns with the fringe. Um, Sasha has a ponytail, which is, like, kind of half up, half down. Yasmin has, like, the ponytail with a fringe, and then Chloe just has, like, a middle part. Oh, and, and now Dylan's back doing his weird, like, bunny hop dance. And singing, oh. like, weird, weird, like, nursery rhyme style stuff. And the characters are like... And they kind of make fun of him. They're not like, oh, our friend's having, like, a mental breakdown. They're oh, like... Does he have rabies? Yeah. Well, that comes later on, but they're like, does he have rabies? And that made us both laugh. <laughs> Like, well, he did get swarmed by bats earlier in this movie, so he might just. Well, interestingly, Yasmin's voice actor is one of the only voice actors to return from the uh, Saturday morning cartoon. Um, and after Chloe's like, does he have rabies? Yasmin is like, oh, well, anything's possible. Well, also, I like how when they're commenting on him acting weird he does like double peace signs at them and the camera does a dutch angle just so you know something's off like you didn't already know something's off i feel like well i feel like they make allusions to him being on drugs as well because they like they make a joke about like him stealing the chemistry teacher's supplies to make crystal math which is fucking bonkers but they're like has he been playing with the uh, teacher's chemistry set (laughs) Um, okay, we've actually skipped ahead a little bit, because now you get, like, a moral lesson from the cartoon where they find out their, like, friend's younger sister, who's, like, 15, is going to meet a strange man in the woods on the outskirts of town, and they're like, don't do that. After they had another one of those weird conversations where they were jumping between, like, freaking out over the plot, and then they're like, oh, we gotta talk about boys now! Yeah, yeah. Weirdly aggressive about the plot. Yeah, they, like, I understand that they're, like, freaking out because they're, like, have just been chased by a small man that they may or may not realise is a gnome because nobody brings it up except in passing when they go, oh my god, he looked like that gnome. And it's like, maybe he was that gnome. Genius. 
they watch somebody that they know grow wings and jump off a cliff. And then fly around them with sparkles. <laughs> After days of acting weird and, like, not showing up to stuff. Well, I feel like it's established that it's been, like, weeks of her acting weird and not days, because when we see them, like, the first scene of them together ends with Yasmin being, like, kind of aggressive and being like, I don't know what's going on, but you're acting weird and you need to stop it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, you know, but, yeah. but I mean, she she says it more supportive than that, because, like, Yasmin is, um, she's not infallible, but, like, as far as the Bratz universe is concerned, like, Yasmin is almost always in the moral right when it comes to things. But yeah, they confront her, and it's like they have this weird tonal whiplash back and forth between confronting her about her sister growing wings and jumping off a cliff and being attacked by a tiny man, and, oh, you're going to meet a guy? Oh, is it like a date? Can we come along and like meet this guy? Well, the reason they decide to come along is because they find out she's meeting a man in the woods and they're like, you're not doing that, we're coming with you to make sure you're okay. Which I think is actually a positive interaction, especially because she's supposed to be younger and they, they do mention that. Like, uh, Chloe's like, what were you thinking? And, and Yasmin's like, she's a freshman, she's not. Yeah, let me say that in this movie, Brianna tries walking away from conversations only to get grabbed and like shoved into a wall quite frequently. Yeah, I feel like like Brianna is like whoever storyboarded it was fond of that like motion. Yeah, she's like like I understand that like Yasmin and Chloe aren't bullies, but they are very aggressive with her. Like like when they tried to have the intervention with her the night before, they they're like really in her face and pushy, and then now in school they're like grabbing her arm and like not letting her leave the conversation. Well, and in this um, conversation, they keep yelling stuff and making all of the background characters look. Yeah, that's quite a funny sight gag, actually. This is where your beloved youth pastor crops yes, up again. the background character who looks like a youth pastor. He's got, like, the blonde hair and sunglasses and a little goatee and then, like, shorts. He's like a surfer. He looks like my childhood youth pastor. Um, my, my childhood youth pastor had Titian hair. Titian um well you know you're a dull collector because you call it titian um, um well it wasn't red it wasn't brown it was in between um and it's certainly like strawberry blonde i feel like this movie is interesting because going back to the saturday morning cartoon thing it is like there are characters who are in every other like brats sort of thing until now and they're conspicuous by their absence like burdine was kind of an ever-present force in the brats world um okay um not to spoil um the movie but like she kind of is sort of written out at the end of the movie just before this but not in a way that's like definitive it's just kind of like oh that's her end for the movie and i feel like if you are coming in to watch like imagine you're like a nine-year-old girl in like 2007 and like a year before you've watched like the ending of like brat's uh, passion for fashion and then you watch this and like birdie's just gone and you're like, guys, you're like, is Buddy dead? Like, and where's, where's Cameron? Like, Cameron's not here. Like, Ethan's not here. That conspicuous by their absence. The only male characters are the dad and Dylan. Yeah. R.I.P. Dylan. Uh, well, I think it, like it's like if Cameron was in this movie, because they can't have Cameron do anything that's not cool, like action hero boyfriend stuff. Cameron would have like punched the evil fairy or something. Yeah. Um. 
they have to make the other guys too cool. Only Dylan's allowed to be an idiot, so therefore well, they can't have people that could actually solve these problems. In yeah, the- well, how how's this for um, Yasmin always being in the moral right and Dylan always being a knob? The plotline of the first episode slash pilot episode is, cru- is it's called Crush in a Rush, and the plot is that Ethan wants to ask Yasmin out, but he doesn't know how to, so he takes Dylan's advice on how to make a girl like him and makes Yasmin hate him. Oh, he really is that guy. Yeah. Well, because, like, um, yeah. And then Cameron finds out, and Cameron, like, yells at him, and he's like, why are you taking advice from Dylan? Dylan's an idiot. Um, he is, and that's all he is in this movie. Yeah. Well, also, Ethan is a funny case of, also, he gets kind of his own animation model, because Ethan is more muscly and taller than the other boys, and is, like ostensibly he's the same age as them but the show kind of acts like he is not in high school anymore because he's shown to have like a job at the smoothie bar like he runs the smoothie bar is he a himbo um sometimes depending on the characterization he's the, he's the nicest of the of the male characters like nice and more muscly than you've got two of the uh himbo traits down you just need him doing like kind of dumb stuff like taking advice from dylan yeah is dylan the one they make deaf in the live action movie i don't know i've never seen it oh my god um well yasmin is the main character of the movie they make her like a ginger girl instead of being um like any kind of brunette um also they really hammer home the idea that she's hispanic because like the montage of her leaving for school in the morning there's a mariachi band asleep in her grandma's kitchen um i wish i was joking but i'm not um bad it's really bad but like yasmin is the main character of the movie and she's really unlikable and part of the plot is she like kind of bullies dylan for being deaf if dylan is the deaf one they make one of the brats boys deaf and she like kind of bullies him and he's like her romantic interest for the movie yeah anyway our anyway uh, are in the woods and they're magically in new england again yeah, and they're like walking along, like talking about stuff. This is where the um the rabies uh, comments get yeah, made. Just, like randomly becomes night when they enter these woods. And apparently everything is supernatural because there's like an owl with glowing eyes. Yes, and they're being very spooked by this all. And they're like, really? You're going to meet a guy out here? Who even is this guy you're going to meet? She's like, well, it's Dylan. And they're like, well, he's harmless, but also you shouldn't meet guys in the woods. Um, I like that they... Then- comment that dylan is harmless yeah i guess they were like okay i have a guy friend and there was one time that me and him were gonna walk to the cemetery together because he wanted to see the giant pyramid tomb that's in the cemetery i grew up by i've seen pictures of you on that you can't go to the cemetery with a boy boys only want one thing i'm like yeah but this guy is harmless and like smaller than me (laughs) Well, I guess, um, in the words of uh, our Lord and Saviour, Kylie Minogue, that um, he didn't turn out like that. No. Um, Okay, so then there's this really bizarre... That this specific friend of mine, he is a cis man, but he is regularly mistaken for either a trans man or a lesbian. That is so funny to me. Um, So basically what happens now is they see Dylan, like doing another weird, like, dance, and they hide in the bushes, um, and, like, watching him, and this is where they're like, does he have rabies? Um, and then they, like... He offers them the plot-specific flowers. 
Oh, yeah. And then they, like, confront him, and then he, like... They get this really weird close-up of his face, and the face animation is, like, all over the place. Like, he's making all sorts of facial expressions and, like, giggling. And then his eyes, like, roll back into his head, and he sprints away from them. And Yasmin's like, um, hey, come back here, and they chase after him. Yeah, and he's just, like, running with his hands up. It's really- Yeah, like, waving them around like he just don't care. Um, also, plot relevant, um, Brianna can't keep pace with them and is significantly behind them as they chase Dylan. Because... Uh, now they get surrounded by glowing eyes in the darkness because it's randomly night in these woods. And um, Brianna sees this happening and hides in the bushes in terror because she has no idea what's happening. Well, and as you'll find out, these eyes are not actual eyes, which is good because they don't look like natural eyes. These are eye-like markings on the wings of evil pixies. Whose heads are twice the size of a Bratz character, and that is saying something. Yeah, um, at least the female ones, like, and some of the female ones, I know I made this joke the first time we were watching it, but she looks like a really weird caricature of Halle Berry. Yeah, we should say that they have two animation models for the Dark Pixies. They have a boy and a girl, um... And then the boys have two hairstyles, the girls have three hairstyles. And then there's three colour schemes mixed and matched across the hairstyles and across the outfits, which is like blue, purple, and red. The majority of the outfit being black, though, and the skin being like a very pale blue. Yeah, they're kind of like a weird... I think they're more grey, really. Yeah, actually, you're right. They're more of a grey, and then their makeup is blue. Yeah, I also call her like... Halle Berry because I have my Catwoman Barbie within sight right now, and that's a weird-looking Barbie, and these kind of look like that. If you've ever seen the Halle Berry Catwoman Barbie without a mask on, these look like that, but worse. I do think it's funny, because you know how we joke about like how in Ever After High, the girls and the boys look like different species, because the girls are so stylized and the boys aren't? Mm-hmm. Um I think it's funny with the dark pixies that the girls' bodies are significantly smaller than the normal brats, and their heads are both much longer and also much wider, but then the boys are basically just normal brats' boys in, like, a Hot Topic wig. Well, and their, like, eyes and mouths are so much bigger than a character model, but the, uh... But they have open, like, toothy smiles, and their lips are a little bit thinner. It's just their mouth is so much bigger. It's not just the big lips thing. Yeah, like, it's it, it's, it almost feels like a, a caricature of brats to make them more grotesque. Like, they... Like, they are very, very unattractive, but filtered through a style of animation that makes things look attractive. I'll also say this isn't a piece of doll media, but if you've ever seen Angel's Friends, all of the guys look like they are demons from Angel's Friends. Um, also, like, EDM music starts playing again, and um, they make reference to, like, like Dylan's like, we can dance forever! Um, excuse my, like, terrible impersonation of an American accent, um, but I feel like it's only just considering what English people are subjected to in American TV series. Um, uh-huh. Jump cut from scary New English woods to cloudy sky LA mall. Yeah, this is just um, weird. Of course, we should note that it was 
only our two main cast members who were surrounded by the evil pixies and Brianna got to hang back in the bushes behind a tree and just watch what happens. Oh, and, and like, looks horrified. So whatever happened to them was just horrifying. The evil EDM got them. And then in the next scene, it's Jade and Sasha being like, where are Yasmin and Chloe? And then Yasmin and Chloe show up walking in formation with the uh, evil pixie girl and the evil older sister wearing the same outfits as them. And then they like are mean to Jade and uh, Sasha. Oh, and they've got that weird like crimped ponytail with the spider tendril mullet. (laughs) I really like that hairstyle. (laughs) I really like it. I feel like it's like... Okay, I know, like, you probably haven't seen Galaxy Quest before, but it reminds me of the main villain from the movie Galaxy Quest. Is that the one that's a parody of Star Wars? It's Star Trek, but yes. Oh, yeah, I've seen that movie. Because, like, as much as I'm like, I don't like Star Wars, um, I am actually a huge fan of... Star Wars are very different. Well, I'm a huge fan of Star Trek. You know that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... You know, I wonder I wonder if the Ceres. reason this hairstyle oh. reminds me of Ceres. So this is actually something which I think I haven't said to you and you might not have realized. So the the evil older sister, Cymbeline, she wasn't a dull character despite being probably the most featured character out of the entire movie. Oh, that is really weird. I expected her to be one of the dolls. No, she she is not a doll. And I wonder if that's why she has a weird short hairstyle, because they were like, well, she's not a doll character, we don't want to waste time animating hair on her. Well, and also why um, her hairstyle gets stolen by the evil fairy, like, halfway through the movie. It's kind of weird. Yeah, like, they change her animation model to, like, swap the hairstyles. And it's especially strange to me because... The hairstyle she has at the start of the movie is the hairstyle the doll has. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so they they bully them, um, but in like a way that is like actually quite funny because it is actually really realistic to like teenagers bullying each other. Like they're not being like you're babyish. Meh. She's like, oh well, we're going to a party, and um, I guess you haven't been invited. Mm, sorry. And then she and then Jade's like, I want my friends back. And then um, they, like, say something catty, and then the evil pixie's like, you girls are slow with the uptake, aren't you? And then they just, like, walk away. Like, I stole your friends. Bye. Bye. Um, Oh, and then uh, Sasha trips over the uh, gnome, which is just in the middle of an LA mall. And you'd feel like people would be like, why is this lawn gnome in the middle of the thing? Hey, Joe, I sent you a picture. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's what the hairstyle makes me think of. We should put that on our Instagram story. Oh, we should. <laughs> Content warning, Sarah. Content warning. Um, okay, I'm going to pause here because this is another hour of recording. So. Um, so I had to take a break to, uh, get this recording saved because, um, it was getting really long and I was kind of worried that it would corrupt or something, um, which actually ended up being quite a good snack break as well. Yes, I ate some saltines. Um, and 
while we waited for the uh, files to save, um, we watched the uh, commercial for the dolls because um, I realised after telling um, Emma Kate that Cymbeline wasn't a doll character that we didn't actually cover much of the stuff about the dolls. We've just sort of talked about the movie. Um, so, like, what I meant earlier by this movie can't really make up, like, with what it wants to sell is because Cymbeline gets probably the most focus out of everybody and she wasn't a doll character. And also she has a really unique colour scheme compared to the others. Like, she has really light green eyes, like, red hair, and then a green fashion. And I feel like that is very pixie. Yeah, but everyone else is just various pastels except for the evil cougar ant who is red and black obviously yes and she um, has a ragged skirt instead of like a two 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 yeah she's got like an evil layered skirt that's a bit it looks a bit like a like a tulip but it's like evil because it's spiky um also something from the dull advert which i think is interesting is did you notice what the lyrics were singing hmm that it was singing about, like, how pixies have secrets they'll share with you, and it was also singing about how, like, they fly through a magic night that never ends. And I think it's interesting, because a lot of the iconography for the movie is very, like, dark pixie, even though the movie is also at the same time being, like, these dark pixies are evil. Well, it's funny, because, like, as I mentioned, that everything, the almost everything the movie is trying to sell is also evil in the movie. Well, it will except come up for maybe later. the horses, but yeah, except the horses. You don't really get to see much of the good fairies. No, well, even the stuff that's supposed to be good, like in the movie, they've got a magic wand that came with the dolls, but like that is designed to look super evil. Like it's black stripes with black like designs, swirly designs on it. Like it is an evil color palette, but it's good. And I feel like it's interesting, especially looking at the prototypes, that even the good characters were designed with kind of a, like a, this ain't your mama's fairy. This is like This edgy. isn't Barbie. Yeah, well, yeah. But that I like it. Like, I like when it's in the app, but it's like, they fly through a magic night that never ends. And the iconography and on the yes, screen. That's why their wings are glow in the dark. Yeah. And the iconography in the advert is like, bioluminescent like fairies and mushrooms and everything's like dark blue and black and the and they're like being like moved around like they're sort of weaving in in and out of each other and it's it's cool yeah. glitter is enhanced by animation glitter is enhanced by animation yes i think that goes on the hat for the episode name yes All right, so shall we get back to our good girls being like, I miss my friends. And the friends are like, screw you, we've got new friends, kids. We're bad girl fairies now. Yeah, I think it's interesting that um, Jade is the one to say it. Because again, in the cartoon, Jade is very self-assured. Like, Jade is the one that kind of instigates them starting the fashion magazine because... Uh, she gets fired from a job, which again is very like not teenager. Like the fact that she has a job and she gets fired from it, and they're like, and she's like, "What am I gonna do now?" And it's like treated I like have she's teenager rent to pay. Yeah, it's cray cray. Um, 
But yeah, so Jade is, like I said, Jade has like had her spine surgically removed in this movie and she is very like wimpy yeah. and But she upon. seems really insecure about whether or not she's Chloe's friend. Yeah, that is super weird, isn't it? Because that comes up later in the movie when they're like being gaslit. That happened, by the way. Yeah, it's... We'll get to it. It's weird. But, like, Jade spends, like, all her time, like, frowning and, like, sighing and, like, being like, that's a bad idea, or I'm scared. And it's like, She's a Jade... no fun allowed character. Like, Jade in the cartoon was, like, very, like, action-y. Like, she'd, like, run around, like, do stuff. Like, there's an episode of the cartoon... Sasha doesn't get to do a lot at all. Besides, say, sassy things. Yeah, and hang out with Jade when the other two are off having the actual adventure. Well, I think it's interesting because you weren't really into Bratz, but we spoke earlier about um, Bratz World and how they made mum dolls. They only made mum dolls for Chloe and Yasmin because by the time Bratz World had happened, like, Jade and Sasha were kind of completely sidelined in favour of promoting... Chloe and Yasmin as like best friends. Well, of course, because Chloe and Yasmin are Barbie and Teresa. Literally, literally, um, and their personalities kind of soak up a lot of um, the other characters. Like Yasmin ends up being like very like hyper feminine, and um, like the playsets for her were very like ornate, like Rococo designs, and then like. Um, Jade's like cool modern funky streak kind of got absorbed by Chloe and Chloe became like very like rebellious like the unlike the advert for like the Chloe room playset has like Chloe's room be like really messy and like funky and like the song is like singing about how Yasmin's like perfect and neat and like then the iconography for Chloe's room is like Chloe's dressing table is like overloaded with things like falling off of it and Chloe and like the song is like singing about how like Chloe is like wild and like stepped out of a fashion magazine and it's just really interesting because in the cartoon like in the cartoon like Chloe's personality was like very like neurotic like that was the reoccurring thing it's like Chloe was like really like neurotic and would worry about stuff and she was very dramatic and she would um she wouldn't like cause problems but she would like react to things in a very over-the-top way that made the other characters kind of like side-eye her and that was kind of her entire personality that's happened in this movie too because like there's that whole scene where she gets set off freaking out about a chain reaction of events that will end up with her not getting into college because of whatever her friend failed to do. Yeah, well, that is that was, like, a reoccurring joke from the cartoon, is, like, something will happen and she'll have, like, a freakout which, like, jumps from, like, huge conclusion to, like, other huge conclusion, which ends in her, like, flapping her arms and, like, hyperventilating. Um, actually, also, Chloe being academically weak is kind of a, a reoccurring character trait as well, because in Genie Magic, the second... Um, feature-length movie for the cartoon series um a major plot point is that chloe is failing i think geography and yasmin is trying to tutor her in it and it it won't like work out um yeah um i don't know it's just kind of an interesting 
think is like I'm being thrown into this movie without much background on the characters aside from just like general cultural osmosis. Well, I do think that's very interesting because you you haven't really got the exposure to them, so it, it's I think it does work out quite well that I'm able to explain it because I'm very familiar mm-hmm. with it, and you're kind of like a blank slate. Mm-hmm. Um, because what would what would your like perception of the character types be from this movie? I feel like like Chloe is very much a main character type. It seems like who's just not getting focused on because this is like the special episode movie of someone else, aka the new characters, uh, which they didn't make dolls of. <laughs> Yeah, and Yasmin. She seems like the just generally likable one, honestly. Uh, she's down to break into things. Yeah. And yeah, and then just like Jade just seems like such a stick in the mud in this movie, and she's like saying no, like. Like, you know that concept in improv where you have to yes-and things? Uh, she's not yes-anding a single thing in this movie. No, they kind of make her into, like, a bit of a Velma. Like, everything that happens, she's like, no, that can't happen, you're stupid. Yeah, and then, like, Sasha just... Other than sometimes being sassy, she just doesn't get to, like, have many character-defining moments in this. It's 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 interesting because especially because uh, this is after production wrapped on the cartoon and has different writers. I wonder what the feeling was, but the cartoon very much makes fun of all of the characters as well as letting them have like great moments. Like Yasmin, to a certain extent, does have main character disease where she's like kind of perfect, but at the same time, the other characters make fun of her for being like a whiny kind of hippie type, like. When they have the slumber party episode, now maybe a little. Yeah, yeah, literally. Like they they make fun of her for being very like, oh, don't do that. That's like bad for the environment, or like that's mean to animals. And like, there's a scene where she um she makes a face mask out of like anchovies and um and like oatmeal, and the other characters are like completely horrified by her, and then she like eats some of her face mask, and they like scream. <laughs> um stuff like that um and sasha gets a lot more um a lot more character in like sasha is kind of their default leader like sasha is very much the one that's like she organizes stuff she's very pragmatic and very sensible but but then her like character flaw is that she's quite egotistical because she is the leader and she kind of thinks she can tell them what to do or like if they're going to get an award or something she should be the one to collect it cuz she's the leader obviously and then they're like but you're not actually the leader and she's like yeah i am yeah, i just um, not getting much of a vibe off of her for this movie and i think it's cuz this movie just does not allow her to have any scenes to herself no it, it really doesn't and i think her having the weird sassy interjections uh is like to the detriment of her character because it makes her very one dimensional well, if you took that away, she'd just have no dimension in this. Good point. Yeah. So I think, yeah. So Sasha doesn't have much of a personality left from the cartoon in this movie, despite disparaging Chloe, which was a reoccurring thing in the cartoon, that Chloe would be like having her hysterical freak out and Sasha would be like, Chloe, you need to calm down. Um, Jade has a completely different personality. Yasmin is basically 
unchanged except for suddenly having an interest in fairy stories for shame um but they also commented that that was specifically because she's such a good student she has to bring a book to class to keep things interesting yeah she's very academic um that's actually something that is a reoccurring thing across other media is that yasmin is um well, that's that's why the the live action movie is so weird that it makes Yasmin so like insecure and quite um quite well, nasty. Yeah, uh, live action movie some other time. We should do an episode about awful live action movies, and we watch like Gem the live action movie and Bratz the live action movie. Well, why don't and... we wait until the Barbie one comes out? Oh, perfect! That that is a strike of genius. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, if it ever comes out. Um, please, Margot Robbie, um, I have absolute faith in you and your beautiful blonde hair. You can do Barbie justice. Yeah, I think she definitely knows how to keep things, like, meta, but fun. Well, like, not to be that guy, but I would be happy if she played Barbie the same way she plays, um, Harley. Well, a little bit less murdery, but... Yeah, less murdery, but very, like... But the fun personality. Like, very, like, fun, very, like, loud. Like, I feel like a Barbie movie... Like, it can't be, like, so meta. It's, like, hating on Barbie, like the stupid um, Amy Schumer concept was. Like, it needs to be, like... Barbie is a character... Is, like, a person in the world. And, like, I would... You know how, like, in... Well, that's what I mean, is that I think that it could be meta in the fact that it's playing with Barbie as a camp icon... But it would be in a fun way, not in a... Uh, Hateful. Yeah, tearing down what Barbie as an icon is. Not necessarily what Barbie actually is, but, like, the iconic idea of what Barbie is. Yeah, well, it's like that Instagram trend a few months ago where... Well, I mean, people are still doing it, but it got media attention where people... Well, women especially, would pose their feet into, like, the high heel position when they're taking, like, bikini shots and stuff, so they looked more attractive. And it was nicknamed, like, the Barbie feet trend, because when Barbie's not wearing shoes, her feet are still in a high heel thing. And Mattel issued a press statement on that, and it was like, um, we are, this is not officially sanctioned. Like, Barbie is a pop culture icon. Like, we can't uh, decide what people perceive as Barbie-related. And I thought that was very interesting, that Mattel felt they had to issue, like, a denial in case people thought it was, like, a Mattel-sanctioned... People give Mattel crap over literally everything. Oh my god, I feel so sorry for Mattel. I literally... Like, I know we touched on it earlier with MGA getting, like, a lot of... Oh, poor big corporation, but at the same time, I think people's, like, anger over things is usually very misguided. Well, the thing is... I I know to a certain extent it's like, yes, they are a company, but I do still feel sorry for them because I just feel like people that don't like Barbie will never like Barbie. And and then the sort of media kind of reacts to it like Mattel is supposed to be catering, catering for these people that hate Barbie. Well, yeah, and there's like a lot of people who are just set on disliking it will never be pleased. And yeah. Hateful. Fashion Pixies. Fashion Pixies. Um, so this is where we get our next big helping of, is she in a cult? Ah, uh, yes. Is this when they, um, find her crying under the tree? Crying under the tree, sobbing into her hands, and they go, 
your your sister's looking for you and she's like where where is she and they're like are you are you hiding from your sister and she's like yeah and and they like look at each other like what is going on should we call the police well then she's like oh if i tell you what's going on i won't have a sister anymore and then she's like oh dad doesn't like us talking to people from the outside yeah she starts saying all this really bizarre stuff like father doesn't let us mix with outsiders and they... talking about how her mom disappeared years ago and it's like oh was your mom disappeared for talking <laughs> yeah it's insane and this is where we go into the like absolutely bananas flashback <laughs> that you were talking about earlier yes where she's talking about her last memory of their mother was when she took them shopping <laughs> Yes, but then all of the shops are shut when they try taking shelter from the um, inexplicable snowstorm, even though they're wearing sandals. Um, like, they're running to the shops trying to, like, take shelter, and all of the shops are, like, completely abandoned, like it's the goddamn apocalypse. Yeah, and they're the only people anywhere, but the big red EDM cloud comes rolling in. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, fully, like, an Indiana Jones movie, and they're, like, running away from it, like, Indiana Jones running away from the, uh, big ball, like, rolling down a tomb. Assuming apocalyptic power of EDM. Well, and them, I... like, these charm bracelets that represent their family or whatever. Yeah, the dragonfly bracelet from the start that's, like, vibrating ang- angrily. Yes, and also they, their child... Uh, character models now and like their noses are so tiny I was joking that their noses look like little zits in the middle of their face yeah they're reusing the um the animation models for uh Bratz kids because like they have made children dolls since then um and then they like it's hilarious though when they're trying to like look for shelter from the storm (laughs) yeah it's really funny but they end up like hiding in a a dumpster Yeah, like, the mom takes little girls and hides them in trash (laughs) dumpster and, like, gives them her shawl. Like, dramatically. I must go face the glowing red cloud. And, like, the red lighting is getting more intense because, like, at the start of the scene, she, like, looks up into the clouds, like, worried, and you can see there's, like, kind of, like, red lightning in the distance. And then she, like materializes the wand I was talking about earlier which was came with the dolls and looks really evil but was supposed to be good um she like gives it to them and it's like it's like materializing glitter around it because like the toy had a sachet of glitter you would like fill it with and then you could like use it like a salt and pepper shaker to like sprinkle glitter on stuff like I can only imagine this must have been the bane of parents lives and destroyed many toy boxes because there was no way to stop the glitter. It was just a salt and pepper shaker on a wand filled with glitter. But yes, there's a flash of light. And then the red light goes away and the girls come out of hiding from the dumpster trash pile. <laughs> um, we need to like explain that the shawl, the shawl she gives them is like a disgusting, like... It looks like it's made of, like, burlap or something, because the mum's character design is, like, a sexy... Not just burlap. This looks like burlap that was used in gardening for a while. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, rotten looking. Because the mum's character design is, like, a sexy teenager, 
Bratz doll, but then she's dressed like she's dressed like she eats tree bark and says it's like cleansing her of toxins. Uh, she's wearing like a green sack dress and has <laughs> a necklace and, and like weird shaggy white haircut. Yeah, it's it's an it's a look. It's a look. And then the flashback ends and she's like crying under a tree and Jade is like, we're your friends, don't worry. We're here for you. And then she's like, I'm going to give you magic glasses that are designed to be a toy, but they're incredibly ugly. Well, I do think it's actually interesting because before that happens, like you get this like other scene of like Brianna being like really um, stupid because Jade and Sasha are like, we're your friends. Now tell us what we want you to tell us. Yeah. And, like, that is not a good look for your protagonists, but, um, you know. Here, have these glasses that look like butterflies that cover most of your well, face. before that, the way she explains it to them is, you can't see the world like I do. But if I tell you, my father will banish me forever. And they're like, <gasps> and then she gives it to them anyway. Oh, she doesn't tell them. She shows them. Yeah, I also think this is really funny because... No, we're not the... telling. Well, speaking of showing, not telling, the scene takes place on the balcony of one of the shops of the main, like, there's, like, the main set they go to to socialise in the cartoon is, like, the courtyard of the shopping mall. And where they are for this scene is, like, a balcony from the sort of surrounding shots that would never normally be shown in close-up. And they haven't changed it, so, like, the shop windows behind them are 2D pictures designed to look like 3D and you wouldn't normally be this close to them to see them but this scene is taking place on a balcony that was not meant for scenes yeah um also this is where we finally get to talk about the mushrooms oh my god the did you ever play the uh the sims making magic no well i I feel like this is very much like that is it's like weird bubble effects or magic one but yeah it doesn't have bubbles the same way well this is where the movie breaks its own logic because it spent the whole movie being like well pixies are rare pixies are special and then they put on the glasses and like every we don't talk to outsiders we don't mix with the outside and then every other goddamn person in the entire shopping mall is a pixie including the youth pastor Including, and they reuse the cartoons off-brand Paris Hilton's animation model and have her, like, saving a balloon from flying away. And then the voiceover's like, Pixies do good things. Yeah, well, and I like how when they have the glasses off, there's, like, a barista pouring a drink for someone. And when they put the glasses on, suddenly he's a little tiny, like tiny fairy pouring a drink for someone i'm like what is the logic to the difference between the reality versus what humans see there like is this a gem hologram situation yeah like is somebody gonna try and shake hands with him and the hand will just like clip through yeah also that fairy that like randomly catches the balloon and hands it back to the guy then just disappears into a poof of glitter and sparkle (laughs) so confused yeah it's really weird well the whole the whole scene is she sacrificed so... herself for the balloon. She traded um, places with it. She popped instead. 
Well, there is like a weird like um, self-sacrifice element to the pixie stuff because going back to um, Cymbeline, the older sister wanting wings, um, they they kind of keep saying that like you don't get wings unless you like do good kind of self-sacrificial things. Um, but yeah, there's a se- there's there's a scene um, after they put the glasses on, and every single person in the scene is revealed to be a pixie, and it's like four different people. Also, the shop windows I've just realized display pixie goods instead of normal goods, and there's also this repeated animation that keeps happening of like mushrooms spout- sprouting spontaneously from the ground. Yeah, and the air is just completely filled with iridescent bubbles that, like, make it very busy to look at. And, like, weird, like, flower, like, pollen things, like, spinning around. And the ATM becomes an Art Nouveau ATM. Yeah, with, like, fairy money being displayed on the screen. Sorry, pixie money. And they have a reuse of um, a palette swap of Burdine, who was, like, Burdine's, like, partner from not like lesbians but like uh they were like agents for like the fashion place and she was her partner I'm sure they were her. lesbians too well you know when we cover the cartoon we can cover like but she's also like <laughs> russian like like the palette swap burdine is like russian and like burdine like betrays her to like escape like the fashion kgb and like the friend gets put in like a fashion gulag prison and it's anyway, it's insane that character is used as a random backgrounder here <laughs> yeah using the fairy atm with fairy oh. wings. And all of the parasols for the tables are replaced by giant mushrooms raining glitter, which make it especially busy to look at because it is raining glitter. Yeah, I imagine that gets in your drink. Yeah, like... Well, I mean, assuming the fairies are actually drinking their drinks and it's not just like... I do, I do think it's interesting that... Establishing shot of the house because it's like this cubist modern building and then you see this art nouveau greenhouse that's way back behind the house and it's like this secret glowing fairy building behind their normal human house the fairy's natural uh habitat is art nouveau yeah i do think there is actually again talking about like the artistry in a movie we're kind of making fun of um i do like that when they're wearing the glasses and it's from like their perspective the scene transition is done with like a swipe like the glasses coming up and down but when it's like a third person camera view of them and they take the glasses off the transition is illustrated by the bubbles popping and the mushrooms retracting into the ground Yep, you can only see the magic if you have the butterfly glasses that take up your entire face. Yeah, but then later on in the movie, she's like, oh, let me give you pixie vision so you can see like I do. And she like bops them in the face with her like glitter (laughs) wand. (laughs) And they don't need the glasses, though the glasses were like redundant. Yes. Um, Hopefully none of that glitter got in their eyes when she like smacked them with it. So yeah, so they have a scene... They have a scene where she's like, fairies have to be insular. And it, like, reinforces what they said earlier, but completely contradicts the scene happening around them. And then they decide how they're going to, like, try and help Cymbeline. And you get this, like, weird scene of Cymbeline being like, come to the party with me, Brianna. And Brianna's like, um, okay. Come to the dark side. We have EDM. 
we have EDM, which is what the cool kids listen to. And then Brianna like runs away from her by like jumping over a garden wall. And like Jade and Sasha are there in matching pixie outfits now with the same hairstyles. Um and they're like her getaway driver and they like rescue her from her sister. But then it's like the sister didn't even notice that she had escaped because it cuts to the sister like flying away to go to the party. Yeah. Um, I also like how they're like, well, we can't follow your sister because she can fly. We'll follow your friends who are under your sister's influence because they can't fly. But it's like they're aren't they kind of shown flying with like their new fake fairy wings or whatever? Well, that's actually an interesting thing is because the dolls obviously all come with wings because otherwise they wouldn't be pixie dolls. Um, See, I'm using the on-brand word, but in the movie, they actually animate the wings differently in that the real pixie wings are like thinner and have like an outline on them. And then the wings that Chloe and Yasmin are wearing are like thicker and don't have the outline and they also show up all the time and they're not only visible with the pixie glasses so i think they're supposed to be like a costume piece they're wearing and another character refers to them as masquerade wings so i think that in like i think you're supposed to infer that they are like a costume that they are wearing yeah which makes no sense but you know then uh brianna Sasha and uh, Jade are walking through the spooky New England forest with some like spooky camera is in the bushes tracking them shots where it's like, oh, something's watching them. I think in retrospect that is supposed to be the lawn gnome again. Well, isn't there like a silhouette of, you know, generic Bratz character that appears behind them at one point? I, I'm I'm I've just gone back to watch it and no, it's a silhouette of the lawn gnome and Sasha sees it and like screams and then they all run away. I mean, he is like a little toe biter. Uh, yeah, um, the sound effects they had. I mean, Yasmin should have been in the emergency room having a stump bandaged on her foot. Yeah, that was a juicy bite. <laughs> yeah, like no more flip flops for Chloe. She ain't got a pinky. Uh, let's let's be real. She's missing like half her foot with that sound effect. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily her entire foot's detachable. She can just get a replacement. I um, guess there is a benefit to it after all. So this is where they happen upon the source of the evil EDM music. After the entire movie has like tantalized you with like EDM music playing in the background, you finally get to see where it's coming from. There's an evil fairy rave in underground. The it's like they enter it through like this weird old tree that, that is like a step spiral staircase. And this is the scene where where Brianna like whacks like Jade and Sasha in the face with her like glitter wand and she's like The animation of her like holding the wand and talking to them is so funny and I have a hard time explaining why, but just like well, I think it's because they animate like they animate it like there's wind coming out of the thing. Like when she activates it, like their hair blows backwards. Well, and it's like this glowing, sparkling thing, but she's holding it right next to her face very <laughs> nonchalantly while she's talking. Yeah, but she's also pulling faces like it's agonizing to look at, and like they're all like groaning and like shaking their heads in a really. I think it's because they're like uh, Jade and Sasha are reacting to it and like she's sort of ignoring it 
Yeah, it's really weird. But like, but like the way they animate it and the way the characters react to it is like it's kind of an uncontrollable force that she isn't experienced using. Um, but then later in the movie, she's shown using it like expertly. Even in like the next scene when she like smacks him in the face with it and is like, "Here, you can see like pixies now." So I got I got a question for this. Um, Chloe and Yasmin had not been whacked in the face by the sea pixies wand. Um, so how did they see all of the pixies that like surrounded them in the woods if they had to get whacked in the face with glitter to see the pixies at this secret evil pixie rave? Well, I think the implication is that the pixies wanted to be seen, so they'd like revealed themselves to Chloe. Because what if they just didn't want to see the pixies. Could they yeah, have well... to see them and just walk <sighs> through them and like they didn't exist or something? I don't know. I think it. I think it's less of a not believing in them doesn't make them real, and more of a they have like a glamour that lets them be unseen. Because what Brianna says before she maces them with glitter is like, you might be tricked if you can't see like I can. So I think the implication is like you would be able to see the dark pixies, but they might be able to play tricks on you. Mm. Um, and then they enter through like a really complex animated environment that is shockingly ornate considering it's only shown in like a five second scene where they're like going down this like staircase made of like gnarled tree branches and they're getting like closer to the source of the music and the music is getting louder and there starts to be like a strobe effect on the screen and Brianna looks like she's like about to poop herself like she is so scared. Yeah and she's like you can listen to the music but you can't dance. Don't dance. Oh yeah, that like Jade's like, oh I love this music. It's so cool. Don't look behind you while leaving the underworld. Yeah, but it's weird. And then you get this like this is what we were talking about when they were like kind of like sensible with the way they presented things, is they've obviously got limited dance moves because all of the dark pixies are like gyrating and like kind of flailing their arms around, but they edit it with a strobe effect, so it's like a nightclub like pulsating with strobe light. Well there's tons of strobe lights effects and then there's the uh really fast cut cuts between the different shots, so it's like it's timed with the music, but also like you can't focus on any of the shots long enough to realize it's all the same people. Yeah, well, you get lots of close-ups. You get like close-ups of like thighs and stomachs, and then you get a close-up of like one of the blue Halle Berry's like thrusting her face into the camera and like shaking her head like really wildly. Yeah, it's definitely um, evil dancing. Yeah, and then it's like intercut with the good girls, uh, Brianna, Sasha, and Jade. I like, know. On... I know you probably never read Axe Cop, but well, I don't I even know what that is. Read... It was this comic that was coming out when I was a kid that I really enjoyed. The whole uh, gimmick of it was it was written by a five-year-old and illustrated by his like professional artist older brother. Oh my god! But um, there was this whole thing in the universe of Axe Cop where you could tell if someone was good or evil by their front kick. And I just keep thinking about, like, oh, you can tell these fairies are evil by their kicks. Yeah, well, I think it's also interesting, because on top of the evil pixies having um, the grotesque caricature of a brat's head, they also have long feet. Like, their feet are shorter, but then they're, like, their shoes are, like, 
great big like glossy black like fetish platforms yeah there's also like the shot of the cougar fairy like dancing in slow motion with strobe effects and also one of the male fairies like howls with a wolf sound effect and it's very weird well, that is when it cuts to them standing on a balcony and then behind and then like shadows of the like gyrating like dancers are like projected onto the wall behind them by the strobe light. And this is where the conversation takes place where Jade is like, Wow, I love this music and then Brianna like freaks out and is like, No, the music's evil and says that if they ever dance to the Dark Pixies music, they are enslaved because they've joined in the Pixie Circle. Um and um, and then as she's like doing a voiceover telling them how evil the dark pixies are and how them, our mother warned us it's dark magic, evil magic. I would say that this uh, this entire scene is definitely an epilepsy warning. Oh my god, yeah, like I'm this, you know that episode of Pokemon that supposedly like killed like hundreds of children in Japan and like gave them all epilepsy. Um, like I feel like they, this is like that on drugs because like not only is it a strobe effect, but it's also like ridiculous fast cuts between like really like frenetic movements, and then the sound yeah. is like really so loud. It's strobing with colors too. Yeah, it's strobing between pink and yellow and green and black yeah, repeatedly. Also, like... So then the uh, cougar fairy, what's her name? Lena? Lena. She's like, everyone's silent. I need to make an announcement. And yeah, then she's the like, fairy... stop the music. The crowd of fairies beneath her, excuse me, dark pixies is like looking up at her and all of their wings <laughs> are like flapping in unison and it's so weird looking because yeah. they're probably like two different colors of wings <laughs> i th- i wonder if they if they were like rigged for animation as a group so like if they applied an animation it was applied to the group simultaneously well and there's a couple like they're a little bit there's a couple that are offbeat with the rest but most of them are in unison yeah. Oh. Um. Also, the the howling and the eyes glowing is the imagery you see as Brianna is explaining that they're evil. So I think it's quite funny that the they were like, "How can we communicate evil?" Oh, having a wolf howl. Yeah, and it's just like never elaborated on. It's like, is are male pixies werewolves? Why well, is he howling like a wolf? Because that wasn't like a human making a wolf sound. That was like a wolf sound. I think it's funny because apparently this scene like traumatized some children because before YouTube nuked the comments, like there were comments on this that were like, oh, I really wanted to dance to this music as a child, but I was so terrified that I'd be enslaved by the dark pixies. Or, I like, know. People... If you <laughs> or people... EDM, you're going to hell, children. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. It's so weird. Also, I've like paused it on like the crowd scene and oh my god, the faces the dark pixies are animated making are just absolutely monstrous. Oh, and that's the thing that kills me. Like the uh, female dark pixies that have the really weird heads with the grotesque faces, their eyes are always looking straight ahead. Like as they turn their head, their eyes just look straight forward. <laughs> They're like dead fish. Yeah, and so it's like, that's extra weird when they're dancing and, like, headbanging, but their eyes are wide open, staring straight forward. Yeah, well, 
I think it's probably because their face is like so maimed from the default Bratz animation model. They probably didn't have any rigging to make it move, and they were like, well, we're only going to have them in crowd scenes, so we don't need to rig them to do anything except blink and grin in a terrifying way. Yeah, um, yeah, these fairies, the it's rare that the male animation models in like a doll thing look better. I think also, I don't think we've communicated that the dark pixie girls are dressed in full on like fetish wear. Like they have, um, like well, it's maybe animated... not like full on, but it is, um, a little bit. I edgy. Would... I would say it's fetish wear. Like, they've got completely exposed midriffs with corset lacing on them with, like, glossy black, like, tops. And then they've got, like, weird, like, black tiered, like, ruffle mini skirts. And then thigh high stockings with slashes in them. A straight, it looks like a striped skater skirt. I think it's more like a, like, a weird, like, tutu thing. Um, And also, then they have the weird, like, fetish platforms. I need to draw one of these things. Yeah, you do. I also think it's funny because the short-haired ones, like the uh, dark pixies that have short hair, like their hair is glossy and has some detail to it. And then there's like these ones that have bobs with straight across bangs. And it's just like a solid block shape with no shine or texture. But it moves. It flails around wildly as they shake their head and scream and react to things um also this is something really weird is um the good girls i am tired of saying their names so i'm just gonna refer to them as that spot um yasmin and chloe like absolutely like headbanging like uh gyrating to the the evil edm and they're like we must save them they're doing the- evil kicks we must save them <laughs> Yeah. And they like, this is the thing where we were talking about where Jade's like weird insecurity comes up. Yeah. um, It's real weird. Yeah. Like they're like, we need to break the spell. So they like sort of make like a, like a, they hold hands and like encircle them to like break the spell. And this is where I, I think the dark assault because they're yeah. Well, in it, like, Yasmin is being really aggressive, and she's like, oh my god, you're disgusting, like, get away from us, we hate you. But then, like, Chloe is like, oh, Jade, you're my best friend, and Jade's like, am I really your best friend? And she's like, oh, of course you are, Jade, let's lose these freaky people and get out of here. And she makes Jade, like, let go of, um, like, uh, Brianna's hands to, like, break the circle, and then she just starts cackling and pushes her to the ground. (laughs) The Dark Pixies do not react to any of this, they are gyrating and flailing around in the background of this big dramatic scene. They're dead fish eyes. <laughs> it's so distracting, but I love it. Um, also, the, the wings are animated in like a really disturbing way in that they kind of like slap into each other like fleshy like appendages instead of like fluttering wings. Yeah, um, and we'll get to that again when the horses show up. I think the horses are like worse. Um, also, this is your favourite. This is where the uh, EDM uh, UFO abducts abducts Brianna. Yes, the red beam of light comes <laughs> down from the sky and just 
captures her. <laughs> well, she like floats up, like waving her arms like she's being pulled up, and then it like drops her back down again. And I think the implication is supposed to be it's like dark pixie energy, and so it's kind of like nerfing her magic, so she's like weakened. Because prior to this, she's already been weakened by being in the rave. Like the evil EDM music is like making her like like kind of like she's kind of like falling over a little bit she's kind of wobbly like and jade's like we need to get you out of here and she's like no we have to save your friends it's like remember banna don't tap your foot yeah she's got like radiation poisoning from being in a scene club yeah she's too young and innocent for this (laughs) yeah she's like oh no the edm music i have to go listen to taylor swift to regain my strength Um, yeah, so this is where you see the the EDM orb is now the disco ball above the evil rave, and it's, like, embedded in the roots. Her wand, like, just ignites like a lightsaber. Yeah, and so it, like, rains acid on the pixies, and they're all, like... It's oh showering them with holy water. Well, yeah, the thing is, the EDM ball is, like, glowing and red, and Lena's, like, taunting her and, like, being like, join me or I'll kill you. And then Lena's like, no. Um, sorry, I've said that the wrong way round. Um, Brianna's like, no, I won't. And she, like, thrusts her arm upwards and, like, materialises the magic wand. And then... Well, she, like materializes the wand pointing at Lena and then raises it and then it like starts to ignite and it looks like a lightsaber but then the beam just keeps going. And it reaches the evil EDM orb that is the disco ball and it turns from red to blue and starts raining blue glitter on everybody and then all of the dark pixies start like clutching their eyes and screaming in agony and like collapsing. Yeah, it's like if you put holy water in the sprinkler system for a vampire nightclub. Yeah, and it's so funny to me. It's so funny because they they are like full on like screaming in agony and like collapsing to the ground. Looks like they got non-cosmetic glitter in their eyes. Yeah, and that but then this is where and then it stops and they're all completely fine and they fly away. And then Lena, like, blows up the evil pixie nightclub and, like, traps the good girls under rubble. Yeah, which, at this point, they seem to be, like, halfway out of the tunnel, and I'm like, when did they get back up there? Yeah, it's insane. But also the animation effect for, like, how she ignites the explosion is, like, red lightning firing out of her staff and, like, just making the ground just explode. Yeah, um, then we cut to the Magnolia charity dance function that they're all missing. And you find out that the um, opposite to evil EDM is good. It's reggae. It's good reggae. And it is, like, way too chill. (laughs) And I feel like they didn't want to animate more dancing, so they have, like, a slowed-down version of the EDM rave dance. I know, it's like, so these people like doing the weird gyrating, but it's like slow gyrating. Well, I think it's because you only see it on screen for like five seconds before the dark pixies arrive in a goddamn terrorist attack and start attacking all of the people at the party. And then they switch out the music for their evil EDM. And all of the people... 
Who is this lady who has a unique character model and giant eyebrows? Oh, the the black lady. Yes, who is she? A, is she someone? Well, kind of. She like she is that animation model is used for their teacher um in the second season a few times. And I feel like she might be Sasha's mum in the movies when they're kids, because I know that a lot of the animation models for the parents kind of get reused, because um, in Bratz's Passion for Fashion Diamonds, the teacher you saw earlier teaching the class, that is a reuse of the animation model that was the new character in Passion for Fashion Diamonds' dad. And mm-hmm. I know that the Passion for Fashion's dad gets reused as a dad for quite a lot of characters because he's got such like a dad design and then the mum her model gets reused quite a few times as well Mm -hmm. Um, Um, I do enjoy this animation where the sky just goes dark and just all these like dark figures come down from the sky out of the clouds and they're just like it looks like the start of an alien invasion (laughs) Movie. It's like it's like the flying monkeys if the flying monkeys shopped at Hop Topic. I mean, yeah, that's very good description of what this is like. <laughs> um, so then they switch out the music to the evil EDM, and then all of the party goers start raving alongside the evil pixies after being attacked by the dark pixies. I know they just oh oh, and there's a close up of my beloved youth pastor backgrounder. But yeah, it's like funny because everybody just watched all these like evil fairies turn the sky dark and just like swoop down and start attacking people. And then the second the music picks up, they're like, yeah, this is pretty good. Let's start dancing again. (laughs) I think it's really funny. And I also think the assortment of random characters they've got dancing at the party is really funny because the lady in the white t-shirt and the sports trousers with the pointy chin is a swedish masseur who like crops up every now and again in the cartoon also the not beyonce character uses that animation model but in like a different skin tone um and then the lady with the really round face and the like distinctly like asian eyes is a news reporter slash generic adult figure from the tv series Yeah, so this is when Lena comes down and Superhero lands on the stage across from the girl's dad, who is wearing his iconic Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, and and they have this, like, really bizarre dialogue where she is, like, she keeps saying, like, sassy valley girl things, and the dad is saying, like, dramatic fantasy things. Oh, oh, but before he says dramatic things, like... He has to transform into his pixie self, where he has like this He-Man, I have the power transformation, and then his animation model just looks cheap and terrible. (laughs) But before he does, but before he does, he goes, Lena, what are you doing here? I banished you eternally, with like absolutely no inflection, and she's just like, I escaped. And then he, like, hulks out and is like suddenly like taller and muscly and has like long hair. Um, like they managed to make like, ah, uh, they should have made him like a sexy elf king so that he could be part of the toy line. Yeah, like the mum character is the same as the teenage girls. Why couldn't the dad character have been a brat's boy and then he could have been with them without it looking like a teenage bride? 
Yeah, that is a problem because, like, um, spoilers, the mom shows up again and they, like, kiss and it's weird because she looks the same as all of the kids and he looks like he's in his 50s. Yeah, it's weird. But when the mum reappears, she's wearing her doll outfit, which is the same outfit as her daughters are wearing, but in pastel blue instead of dark blue. Yeah, um, so now they're gonna have, like, a lightning force battle. Yeah, but before they do is where they have the weird dialogue, where she's like, where she's like, girls just wanna have fun, and he's like, speak plainly, hag! Yeah, it's weird, because it's like, which one of you has been, like, magically detained, and which one of you has ostensibly been living in the human world? Well, it's bizarre, because, like, Lena is written like she's a teenage girl, but she is talking about how she's, like, spent a decade in hiding after trying to kill her sister and failing. And it is... Yeah, and she, like, refers to herself as, like their aunt and stuff and it's like oh oh yeah she's like come to auntie dear and and saying like how she's like planned for so long to destroy melvino's family oh that's the dad's name by the way like in his human form he goes by mel and then in a dramatic reveal you find out that his real pixie name is melvino oh that's like i'm sorry i'm having tuxedo melvin visions now yeah like Throw some tempura shrimp at me, please, Melvin. I am hungry. Um, okay, so here is where you get the bizarre scene of like Jade, Sasha, and Brianna like laying in a like a like an air pocket in the rubble, like bemoaning the fact they're going to die. <laughs> and it's like, oh, somebody, pre please, like break open a geode and tell your friend that you think they're like a rock. <laughs> Yeah. Well, this is this is another scene of Jade being really like miserable. Is that she is so fatalistic. She is like full on like, oh well, I guess we're just gonna die in this hole. Oh. We're dead. We survived, but we're dead. <laughs> like literally, Jade. Like I'm not saying I hate it. Like if this was if this was a different character than Jade, I would quite enjoy her because she is she's just so negative all the time. But it being Jade feels weird. Yeah. I don't oh. really know much about Jade, but if I'm picturing her being kind of like Bratz Aja, then yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, well, I feel like, especially because they've changed her animation model a little bit as well, like, she looks more like Kumi, and I feel like she's behaving more like, kind of, I would imagine Kumi to behave, because Kumi's like, character is more feminine than jade like jade doesn't really wear skirts that much in the cartoon like she like her sort of iconic go-to outfit is like black denim flared jeans with like a black denim jacket with like red patches on the jacket and then like black like um platform boots which well, is whenever i think of jade as a character and again i'm not as much of a bratz fan as you i usually think of her like in a newsboy cap or something yeah like well, in the cartoon, they kind of have, like, reoccurring outfits that are, like, their default outfits, and they're actually all trousers, which I think is interesting, because, um, Sasha gets, like, these camouflage, like, sort of, um, sort of cargo pants, and Jade gets, like, rolled up jeans with, like, trainers and a vest top with, like, a cat on the front, because, um, 
something which I think you've probably become aware from because they keep saying um, their nicknames, but Jade's nickname is Cool Cat, and she has a pet cat called Micah, who is like kind of the brat's mascot in the cartoon. Oh, that's a cute name for a cat. Yeah. Well, also, Birdine has a pet dog that she's completely obsessed with and treats like her baby. So there's like the thing that like Bird. Birdine's dog hates Jade's cat and Jade's cat hates Birdine's dog. But there's like an episode where they get kidnapped by somebody who wants to like rig a pet show and they have to like team up to stop their pets from being killed. And then they get like held hostage in a pet food factory by like this guy that wants to murder them to like keep his secret. And he says that he's going to like murder them and chop their bodies up and sell it as dog food to like hide the bodies. And like they get this like nightmare sequence of like them both picturing like cans of dog food with their face on the tin ah uh, well on that lovely note let's get back to the angry gnome yeah okay so they're like in the bombed out ruins of the nightclub which is not nice imagery in a kids movie and jade is like we're gonna die and sasha's like um i can't get any signal on my cell phone and Brianna doesn't really do anything. She just kind of like lays on the ground. <laughs> we're um, dead. We survived, but we're dead. Yeah. And then, and then, like a gnome like burrows, burrows through, and is like, "Why are you down there in that nasty dank hole?" And and uh, Brianna's like, "Oh, Alfie!" And again, it's like it's quite jarring because they're reacting to it like you should know who this character is, and you don't. Well, they had never uh, referred to him by name. He's just the angry garden gnome that like bit their feet. But like the gnomes weren't Are toys. Chomp. <laughs> yeah, juicy. Um, the gnomes weren't toys. Why are the gnomes given so much focus and attention in this movie? I know, like, you could have cut out the middleman and had them be rescued by the magic horses or something. Yeah. Well, especially because, the, like, the second you see the horse, like, Brianna, like, screams the horse's name, and it's so obviously a toy name. It's like, she's like, Dempsey! And, like, runs to this, like, glittering pink unicorn with butterfly wings growing out its neck. Well, and there's these... It's like when they get up to the surface again and there's just all of these gnomes and again with the crowd scenes, there's like two different groups of gnomes are each moving within synchronization with each other. And it is quite funny because the only time in the movie somebody reacts like something is shocking is when Jade and Sasha see the gnomes. They both like act terrified and back away and Jade is like, oh my god, it's a gnome nation! (laughs) Yeah, all of these are human reactions to have. Honestly, I'm just getting flashbacks to, like the first episode of Gravity Falls, but mm, all these gnomes. Mm. But then they completely get over it, and Sasha's response is tight. And that's all she says, and that's like her last line for like the next 15 minutes of the movie until the end where she gets to have some like wrap up lines. Yeah, she's just like, you know what? We've seen some stuff this night, so. I can buy gnomes. Oh, and then and then the musical cue completely changes from this like weird like Celtic jazz that accompanies the gnomes to like ethereal like sparkle music as like a 
a horse with glitter cataracts and iridescent skin like awkwardly walks into frame and the camera like zooms in on its face really dramatically and then there's a horse for each girl no more no less and then the gnomes pile onto the back of the horses behind them and it's weird because like the gnomes are so tiny and they're all holding on to each other's waist to stay on the horse together and then the gnome in the front is just like awkwardly grabbing their the girl's hips yeah it's a little weird and especially because the gnomes are like like weird loud like kind of drunken men that are just like grunting and making weird sound effects and they're all like in earth tones and stuff while the girl horses are all these pretty pastels well this is another interesting thing is the toy for the horse is much more like gothic than this the toy for the horse is black with a purple gradient like a dark desaturated purple gradient on its muzzle and feet and let's talk about the horse wings. Okay, so the horses are like actually really fun because they're like they're not a butterfly pegasus because the butterfly wings come out of its neck, which is kind of weird looking, but they have to leave the back open for the uh girls and all of the gnomes. Well, on the toy they're attached to like a mounted unit directly in the middle of the back of the neck and then you press a button and it makes them flap but the animation attaches them individually at like the side of the neck at quite an awkward angle and this is what you like foreshadowed earlier yeah and then the wings instead of like they're butterfly wings but instead of fluttering at all they like slowly flap while bending and they're just like they kind of like curl around on themselves. Yeah, I don't like it because it's like they're trying to make them like dramatic bird wings, but with butterfly shape. And it's like, that's not what butterfly wings do. I don't like it. <laughs> they get really well animated manes, though, because they're animated with the same tech as the brat's hair. So it's kind of like manically flapping around beautiful long hair that's like floating as they fly. It's brushable. Gotta get that, like, toy advertisement in there. But then you get this, like, weird harp music, and the movie, like, the movie's like, okay, enough action. Let's have, like, a three-minute montage of them, like, gracefully riding through the sky on unicorns with harp music and glitter. Yeah, with all the starry sky backgrounds, and they're all just having fun, despite everyone they love being in danger right now, and there being a giant red EDM UFO cloud over the city. Yeah, well, the movie the movie does make it feel very apocalyptic, and the dialogue it reinforces that because Lena has like I don't think we've actually even addressed Lena's motivation. Is that Lena's motivation is she's tired of pixies having to serve the Earth and keep nature in balance, and she thinks the Earth should serve the pixies because it's like their turn. Um, and she wants capitalist. Yeah, she wants to enslave humanity to the pixies, basically, and like. Yeah, so this is like, this is the brat stopping an apocalyptic threat um, caused by evil EDM music. Yeah, um, so anyway, we get an establishing shot of the park with the tree where the dance is happening, and there's nobody there. There's, like, the stage isn't there, the people aren't there, but then we get, like, cut to the characters that are on the ground 
in this place? Well, there are people there, but they're not animated and they look like they're shaded weirdly. So I wonder if something was going on and they were like, they were like rigged for like a much further away shot than what they actually had. And they weren't expecting like them to be shown that closely. Yeah, so we go back and we get... Uh... You get Lena being like, um, I killed your wife. And then like Melvino is like freaking out about it. And then they have this like force battle. Yeah, okay. But yeah, she gets her side of the story where there's like the green park and there's like this blizzard that isn't actually touching down to the ground. And the mom is like walking through the harsh wind and snow, but like all the grass is still green, so it looks super weird. Well, she says that the blizzard came from nowhere, and then in Lena's flashback, she states that she caused the blizzard to, like, hide what she was doing from the humans. But yeah, uh, she gets in a magic fight in the flashback with their mom. Does their mom even have a name? Yeah, she does, because she was a doll character, and it was on her box. Um... Yeah, so they have a force battle, but her power is yellow instead of, like, blue. The mum's name is D. Yeah, and then there's, like, a light explosion, and, like, Lena finds that she's been completely depowered and worn out by this battle, but then their mom, dun-dun-dun, became the tree! Which I guess is like a Buffy Dawn situation in that nobody remembered that there wasn't a tree in the middle of the park for all this time. Because suddenly there is like a gargantuan, like, building-sized tree. Yeah. Yeah, and there was like just this... It's nice because she became a tree perfectly centered in the pre-existing circle walkway in this empty park. Convenient. Yes, very... And this is where you get some really weird dialogue because, like, the voice actress doing Lena's voice starts going into, like, a really weird, like... Like, I can only describe it as trying, like, a scary little girl impression in that everything she's saying is 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 suddenly no longer, like... Like, at the start of the movie, everything she says is, like, really, like, seductive. But, like, by now, she's, like, doing this, like, like scary little girl, like, voice where she's, like taunting him and like i have like stolen your daughters and i have their power they have given me their power i have destroyed your power of family and love yeah and then you know of course their dad is upset because he just found out that his like sister-in-law killed his wife oh and then he like cures um cymbeline of the spell and cymbeline gets the personality of the sister and she's like daddy and like runs over to him little run is so weird she looks like she's a five-year-old yeah it is weird and then lena kills her yeah um on her dad uses his power to cure all of the townsfolk who were under the control of the evil edm including dylan who's here by the way meaning he was transported from the uh pixie nightclub here Without oh, didn't you see it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they, there's a shot when the pixies are landing. You see pixies carrying, like, Chloe and Yasmin, like, really awkwardly, like, put Yasmin and Chloe down and then, like, fly off. 
That yeah, that was awkward. Yeah, I think it's really funny that like the like they are they're like oh we have to bring our like human minions with us like somebody fly them here. Well, and I like their dad has like Cal Art's chest going. Yeah, well, the dad is like. He's so out of style with the rest of the movie. Like his eyes are the size of a normal Bratz character's pupil. Yeah. Um. And he also has a very defined nose. His head isn't really like a brat stylized head shape. Though he uh, looks like he's like a refugee from a Barbie movie. Well. Almost, except for the hair. His hair doesn't have any silkiness to it. No, like, none of that Bratz hair effect. It's like this weird chalky blob, and it doesn't, like, have the motion that other characters' hair does. No, it's so weird. Oh, so this is where, like, stuff starts to get weird, because Melvino is supposed to be, like, the most powerful pixie. He's, like, the pixie king. But apparently curing, like, 20 people of, like, pixie, like, control has weakened him enough that Lena can, like, zap him with a laser and, like, send him, like, falling out, like, falling off the stage into, like, a pile of mud. Well, it wasn't just curing 20 people. He also had to remove his daughter's wings. Oh, yeah. Oh, and this is, this, okay, this is where Lena kills, um, <laughs> kills Cymbeline, because Cymbeline's like, Daddy, no, and, like, runs over, and Lena just, like, fucking, like, shoots her with, like, a laser beam and, like, sends her, like, flying into a tree where she, like, really violently slams into it and then just, like, falls over. She's just, like, on the ground for most of this. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's like, like, you think she's dead until, like, the non-brainwashed brats arrive and, like, nurse her and she tells them, like, the plot revelations about the tree being the mum. Yeah, but by the way, the non-brainwashed friends have arrived on their flying horses with their gnome friends. Yeah, gnome minions. And there's like an evil male dark pixie who shows up and the horse just frickin' like sneers and horse kicks him and he goes flying into a group of dark pixies and they make a bowling ball sound effect. And fly away, <laughs> like, pins smacking. Yeah, like, they just go head over heels flying off into the distance against the forces of gravity. So, um... Oh, well, before that, we've actually missed that um, Lena turns Melvino into a tree. And he turns into, like, a gigantic oak tree. And I think it's implied that, like, their level of power is like, relative to, like, the size of tree they become. Yes. And then the, um, and then... The only thing was more important to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it is, because it's more entertaining. Um, but then you get, like, horns being blown by the gnomes, and the pegasuses arrive, um, sorry, like, unicorns with butterfly wings (laughs) that are totally not pegasuses, because Barbie has a pegasus. Yeah. Oh, there is a there is some dialogue I like where Lena's like, say bye-bye, because it's time to join the wife. Yeah, that's a pretty good villain line. Also, we're back to looking at Chloe's, like, Sarah's hair. 
Yeah. Well, I like her. Like, the thing is, but I like gem hairstyles. This is where Chloe has her, like, neurotic freakout where she thinks that she's going to have to work in a fast food restaurant and have no health insurance. Well, and that's, like, how they decide to test if she's back in her right mind or not by, like, telling her that she did bad in school. And she, like, has a neurotic meltdown and then they're like, oh, okay, it's fine. Meanwhile, like... I'm not getting into college again, it's her. Yasmin spends the entire scene looking like she's gonna cry, and I think it's really bizarre that, like, Chloe's animated, like, being completely normal, and Yasmin is, like, frowning with, like, her eyes, like, welling up. It's so weird. Yeah. Well, I'm freaking Brigill watching her dad get turned into a tree, and she, like, has to close her eyes and shake her head and then look again in astonishment. But then um, Lena's like, oh no, I've been drained. And like just flops pathetically on the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I think it's kind of implied that Lena isn't actually that powerful in and of herself and that she is siphoning her power off of the daughters. Because spoiler alert she gets turned into a tree in like five minutes and the tree she's turned into is like this disgusting little sapling which is promptly peed on by a dog <laughs> yeah brad's movies do like their humiliation congas yeah they do well also the dog has like a bizarre sound effect of it like stomping anyway before that you get some like weird biblical imagery with like burning trees let's uh discuss yes let's talk about the uh holding hand circle and uh Moses, remove your sandals for the ground you walk on is sacred. Well, it's so weird because, like, Cymbeline wakes up and she's like, the tree is my mum. And the other characters... Five by a petal falling off of the tree and, like, hitting her in the face. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. With, like, beautiful music playing as it happens. And then the other characters don't react. They're like, oh, your mum's a tree? And then... Like, you'd think Brianna would be like, oh my god, mum, but instead she's like, I know a spell that can break this. Do you remember? Mum taught us it. And it's like, plot contrivance. It's like, yeah, you didn't even realise that this tree was your mom, and yet you know how to break a spell that turns moms into trees. <laughs> yeah, which I wouldn't pick on if the whole movie was badly written, but I feel like the movie is genuinely like written quite competently, if not quite well in places. So it just feels like at the end they kind of gave up and they were like, um, okay, let's just do this. So we they make wrap it up. Yeah, so they start playing like a ring a ring a rosie around the tree, and the tree turns to glass and and Brianna is like, no matter what happens, you can't break the circle. And then I guess what happens is supposed to be like the curse. Like, well, then, like uh, the TV's going in a local store, fritz out, windows on businesses are just shattering randomly. Oh yeah, this is where like, like the music gets really ominous, like the lampposts start like exploding, like the lanterns extinguish, yeah. like everything is like apocalyptic. The tree the... starts glowing. Oh, she tries sending her flying monkey pixies at them, but they're like repulsed by the glowing friendship magic. Yeah, Lena's like, mm, go get them! And then the pixie's like, it's like a really bizarrely animated scene. Right, they're like, specifically talking about like, oh, it's the power of family and friendship, both of them. 
both of them. And then Lena's like flying monkey pixies like rise up like in unison and start like in a straight line going towards the thing before being repelled and then like collapsing like dead flies on the well, ground. Flying, like so slowly they just sort of like go straight into the <laughs> force field and then just like bump off and just fall down and it's just Yeah. Like it's such lazy animation for that. It's... And it just seems out of place in the rest of this, where it seems like a little more effort was put in. Well, the thing is, like, everything that's happening is so frenetic and crazy. Like, people are, like, flailing around and screaming. There's, like, lightning happening. And then in the same scene, they, like, slowly kind of, like, amble into the force field and then, like, collapse really, like, Ugh. Yes, but then the tree becomes a uh, sexy teenager mom. Yeah, but but you're missing that they are like harrowed by the curse that doesn't want to be broken and they're like and then it's like it does all these like dramatic zoom ins on their face of them like screaming in terror and like shaking and like being like like shaken by the force of the curse and the tree is like bursting into flames and exploding and then it like does a really big close up of Jade's face and Jade like screaming like never let go never let go and then it cuts to the sexy teenage mom emerging from like a glowing orb like she's the messiah ascending um, descending. Yeah, and she comes out and just like intimidates all of the dark pixies into leaving and she too has Sarah's hair. Yeah, well, it's funny because it it is framed so dramatically and it is given the amount of weight as like Jesus or something like like she is descending from the sky in like white glitter. Like everybody, everybody is like awestruck by her appearance. And she's so powerful. She just single-handedly turns her husbandry back into a husband. Yeah, and with basically just, a snap of her fingers. Yeah, and she's so powerful. I'm like, how did your like terrible sister defeat you? Yeah. It's weird. It's not like she uh, backstabbed you or something. Like, we saw the whole scene play out. Like, she was, like, afraid. Yeah, I think... Yeah, this is where we get the scene of the weird teenager mom, like, romantically reuniting with her 50-year-old husband. Yeah, but the thing is, like, before this scene, she is animated in the weird, like, uh, vegan hippie sack dress. And now she's wearing, like, Hot Topic clothes, but pastel. And has the same hair and outfit as her teenage daughters. Well, instead of having white hair, it's, like, pastel pink and blue, almost. Yeah, and she's like, well done, my daughters, to, like, remind you that she is, in fact, their mother. And they, like, hug her, and you see that they are literally the same size that's sasha just doing some random like handsprings i don't know Uh, yeah and then like of course it's jade who yells hiya and does wait no this this is later on you're skipping ahead you're skipping ahead Uh, this is where i am in it okay so you get them like reuniting and then the pixies, the dark pixies, like, all make fun of them and are, like, laughing because it's like, haha, families are for lame people. And then she, like, raises her hand like she's going to zap them and they all start screaming hysterically and fly away. And they're never addressed again. Like, I guess they just go away to, like, be idiotic, raving pixies that just, like, are disgusting and rave constantly without Lena to, like, tell them what to do. Yeah, they don't eat or drink or bathe. They just rave. <laughs> rave for life. Um... And then, yeah, and then she makes out with her 50-year-old, like, father-husband. Yeah. Um, 
Um, he should have had a younger looking model. It's weird. Yeah, and here's where they turn, like, here's where what you were saying, that Jade is, like, yelling hi and doing, like, kung fu kicks and stuff to, like, fight and Lena. I think it's, and I think it's Sasha who seems to do some, like, random handsprings. Yeah, Sasha does, like, some backflips and then, like, karate kicks her, but does nothing. But then Jade is like, hi and, like, karate kicks her magic wand out of her hand. Yeah, her, like, weird bird wand. Did you notice that it looks like a bird face? I didn't, but also that is another thing that like the toy should have had and the toy didn't. Is her that... evil staff? Yeah, her evil staff is focused on so much in the movie and like the toy should have had it. Also, when she's turned into a tree, she tries turning into the weird birds to fly away and there's this really like visceral like screaming sound effect overlaid in a way that is not pleasing. Yeah, so she like morphs from a human into like a bird and then into a tree. And then a dog pees on her. I do think it's funny how she's still, like, a pretty... Like, she's a sapling, but she's still, like, a pretty flower-bud-covered little sapling. Just, like, does being a magnolia run in the family? I guess, well, the flowers on it are also glowing. Yeah, um, it's interesting. And then they're like, wow, thanks for helping us, girls. Too bad we have to wipe all your memories now. So this is, this is like, that is basically the end of the movie. Like, they start playing reggae music again, and Melvino gives everybody convenient amnesia, and the brats are like, well, in the morning, we'll probably think it was all a dream. Oh, and then Dylan turns up and is like, my thighs burn. <laughs> He's like, I have, feel like I have been hooked up to a dance machine. Yeah, he, well, he says, I've been strapped to a vicious dance machine. That is the exact line. And, I mean, like, I feel like... Questionable wording. Yeah, I know. Like, strapped. Oh, and then he, like, sees, like, Brianna do, like, a hair flip, and he realises that she's gorgeous and he wants to dance with her. Yeah. Also, can I just say, like, I don't have anything against reggae music, but after this, like, whole raving EDM movie... The reggae music is so chill, it's like a really anticlimactic to end on. As a preteen, I owned the CD that went with this movie, um, and I loved it. And all of the songs on it are like EDM, like hip-hop songs, except... I used to dance to it, yeah. Um, I I listened to it constantly, it was one of my favourite CDs. No wonder you um, are the way you are. You've been under the control of the Dark Pixies this whole time. That's why I'm so evil. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then it would get to the the reggae song, and I would like run to the CD player to like skip it and like fall over myself trying to get there so quickly because I hated it so much. Oh, and doesn't the movie like end on Sasha being menaced by a gnome? Yeah, Sasha's like. It, like after Sasha gets her pixie sight taken away and they're like we'll won't remember it Sasha's like I will and you realize and then she like turns to the camera and she's like got the pixie glasses still but then the gnome like trips her up and she starts screaming and like begging for mercy from the gnome in a really weird scene and he like physically menaces her but then he like winks at her and smiles and all of the other characters start laughing at her yeah, isn't it funny to be threatened by a tiny man who, like, balls up his fists like he's going oh. to punch you? And then as the movie is ending, the unicorns with butterfly wings start flying at the screen with the gnomes throwing glitter, like, confetti 
over the people dancing. Yeah, I'm like, is everyone else seeing this? Does, did, was everyone else aware of what was happening? Are they just going back to their normal lives now? Okay, and then the movie just, just ends. Yeah. So. So, that was a movie, alright. <laughs> So, like, as your first ever exposure to Bratz Media, like, how would you, how how would you describe that experience? Um, once I got past the unfamiliar, like, animation and kind of telling how to tell the characters apart, I think it was fine. Uh, it was not high art, but it was a fun kids movie. Was it I- as bad as you kind of expected? Because, and I don't mean like artistically, but I mean like I feel like Bratz kind of gets framed in this like hyper negative way that people act like it's like almost satanic in its levels of like sexualization. And I feel like that is like the movie is like a little bit dark, but like when you look at the reviews for it on like Amazon and stuff, it's like parents screaming about how like it's satanic and stuff. No, I definitely do see why parents could be off put by some of the dark themes in the movie, but I don't think. Well, and I don't think I expected it to be that because I'm so used to parents freaking out over things that aren't a thing, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, there there were some dark themes in there. Um, I find that I both love and hate the dark pixies. They're so terrible. But also, like, the way that you're just kind of terrible and move as a solid mass, in a way. I'm like, well, <laughs> I kind of they're them. so fun. Like, they have misfit yeah. disease, where, like, the bad ones are the fun ones. Well, and that's what this movie did, was it made all of the things that was marketing evil, except maybe, like, the mom, who... It's weird, because she's a mom, but she's also, like, her doll is a sexy teenager. Well, like, her doll is the sexiest teenager, because, like... I'm well, she's an adult, a... so it's okay. I'm gonna send you a picture of her doll, and it's like basically identical to Chloe, except she has a beauty mark, and her outfit is all pastel instead of having the dark colors too. Yeah. See, I think it's funny that this is like such an edgy Bratz movie because I look at that, and to me, that looks like something Mattel would have made during this time period. Yeah, and when you compare it to the prototype, which had, like, a weird, like, ethereal skirt with, like, tassels on it and, like, a bizarre, like, giant ponytail, it's bonkers. Yeah. Well, and the pastel hair, too. Like, blonde is fine, but blonde is not special. Yeah, she went from having fantasy hair to having blonde hair. That's, like, so disappointing. I think it's funny, like, the box artwork and just everything about this. If I were a parent in the toy aisle looking at this, I would assume this was a new teenager friend for the Bratz. But then, like, watching the movie, and this is their mom. Yeah. And it's just well, so I think, again, going back into the box art, kind of maybe showing, like, an intermediate level of the design, she has a dark blue t-shirt instead of a black t-shirt, a more simple naturalistic kind of hairstyle in like a pale pink color and mm. i feel like that could have been them trying to tone it down before they went full i'll oh, just give everybody a tank top and then like have them show way more skin than the original designs that were dubbed too edgy 
Yeah, it's. I still think it is crazy that they didn't make a Lena doll. Um, not Lena. Sorry, they made a Lena doll that they didn't make a. Um, What's her face with the hard to remember sim- name? Cymbeline, which is actually a real like Gaelic name. It is, but it's like kind of hard to remember next to names like D. D. Well, I've just sent you another picture, which um, if I can get permission from the person that runs this Flickr page, which may or may not have been abandoned 10 years ago, unclear. Um, I'll try and put these on our website for people to see because I think it is really interesting because you can see in the background is the prototype for the Lena doll, which has her like weird layered skirt and the red hair. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that the little tiny fairies they came with weren't more dark color palette to be like stand in as the dark pixies. Well, they are a little bit. They've got very like stripy legs. Um, True. I I think, but I think the movie the movie is very interesting in in the fact it's so different to the dolls. It has kind of a troubled production with Walmart Walmart like uh, being angry about the black t shirts. Um, black t shirts, how scandalous! Yeah, I think it's such a bizarre thing to get hung up on. It really is, especially since black is a really normal t-shirt color. Yeah, like, and the thing is, it it was the only black in the entire outfit. The sleeves were, like, pastel. And these are honestly such hyper-feminine character designs for a Bratz line. Oh, they really are. Like, Bratz is always like, here's my dark red moto jacket, and then these ones are like, oh, we're pastel fairies with a black t-shirt, and Walmart's like, that is too much. And I can accept leather sexy outfits, but I draw the line at a black t-shirt. Well, actually, that that is something which I would be really interested because that is the story that is constantly told um, by people as the reason why, but the other Bratz dolls, like I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely shocked because when you look at like the Bratz Rock Angels dolls, none of them have a black T-shirt, but they do have black in their outfits. Like three of them have no, all all five of the dolls have black leather jackets. They're all showing their midriff. They all have belly button piercings, and they all have visible tattoos. You know what I have to wonder about these is I feel like them going with such a fantasy theme and then throughout the entire movie being like, this is like Barbie, not like Barbie. I have to wonder, like, is this is this a response to Barbie the way that Barbie did responses to Bratz? Mm, it could be. I feel like it was. I feel like maybe it was responding to Fairytopia, but it was definitely also MGA seeing the like dark pixie hot topic thing in the sort of zeitgeist and being well, like, we need yeah. to do something to capitalize on that. But I have to wonder if the whole like Walmart made us change it is a little bit of like the MGA side of the story, or like I don't know, because I think it's really weird how the designs changed and i look at the original designs and you can tell that they would have been much more expensive to produce Mm, yeah they i mean very much more expensive a lot more detail a lot more fabric involved a lot more detailed hairstyles and i'm kind of wondering if there was also a budget element to it yeah i well the thing is i don't know if you've seen the packaging they come in but they come in a absolutely gargantuan box like the box is like it is probably one of the biggest Bratz boxes there are, and I. Let's have I, to comfortably fit wings. 
Yeah, but the thing is, I wonder if maybe they were supposed to be sold at a higher price point, and the larger box was supposed to make it more of like a theatrical yeah. event. Like they are these really detailed fairy dolls. Like Barbie, oh, her her fairy dolls have sculpted plastic tops. They're for babies. We are for the sassy preteen. We are quality. We have lovely, luxurious layers. And then, and, and then retailers were like, "That's too expensive," so they economized, but they already had their like huge packaging done. Yeah, I do have to wonder if that is part of the designs being changed, and then the making them more pastel happened during that revision. Mm. Well, I I would be definitely inclined. Something I also think in, is interesting is the. Well, the designs well, were definitely I, softened. Did Bratz tend to have um, elbows at this time? No. So why does the Lena doll in the background have her arms crossed? Well, I'm actually going to send you another picture in that the Lena doll has a special arm mold that can cross its arms or be hands on the hips, depending on how you position it. Um, and this is something I think is really interesting, is that the Brianna animation model has brown hair and the prototype has brown hair and then the Lena animation model and the Lena prototype has like fire engine red hair and black stripes but both of their dolls ended up with almost the same shade of like auburny red mm-hmm. and then D ended up with like Chloe blonde hair so also Chloe not Chloe sorry see that's how similar they are that I'm getting confused um the D and Lena dolls were store exclusive I think they were Toys R Us exclusive I can't remember yeah I'm kind of suspecting that this line ran into some uh production problems but my thought that this being a response to Fairytopia, I was thinking, because like their little butterfly beauty marks really remind me of those like oversized head Fairytopia dolls that had like the crystal hands and legs and stuff. Oh, I love them! Yeah, yeah, like, and also just the facial style of the face sort of reminds me of that Fairytopia extra stylization that Mattel did. Well, I don't know if you've picked up on it, but they have a different head sculpt to normal Bratz dolls. It looks a little more slim. It is considerably slimmer i know um there was like a sort of a trend for making hybrids with them in ever after high bodies a couple of years ago um so see if i can give them like articulation yeah um i'll see if i can find a comparison because like the size difference is kind of shocking okay this isn't uh an amazing comparison but it's uh, we should probably start thinking of what our final thoughts for this movie are yeah we i mean i feel like we've sort of meandered back into like discussing the like more playline stuff um for it like the realities um yeah if you check this picture out like can you see the head is like i think it's it's like sort of two-thirds of the size of a normal brat's head and then the bodies are different as well yeah it's interesting um so final thoughts from me is it's a really interesting addition to the Bratz animated canon, um, especially considering its dark tone. Because um, I think as as far as doll media goes, this is dark. Like Monster High, um, even though it comes later, it uses darker imagery, but it's tonally lighter. Whereas I think Fashion Pixies kind of captures a, quite a sinister atmosphere for most of it with... with 
quite like a palpable like threat to the characters and quite like a, a scary kind of sense of something beyond your understanding and control. And I feel like the stakes of this movie, from what I've seen of other Bratz media, is a lot higher and a lot more comparable to like the fighting a big evil that's actually life-threatening sort of thing that a lot more of the like early Barbie movies have where the villain's like actually trying to murder them. Yeah. Well, the stakes in the other Bratz movies are normally like, we won't be able to put a concert on or like we like somebody we like has been framed for like theft or something. Because yeah, that's something with like the Barbie fairy tales, you don't really think twice when the stakes are something like all fairies losing their ability to fly in a fairy world, which that's a pretty big deal. That's pretty world-changing stakes versus like movies set in the real world where it's like, oh no, we have to do a concert. We have to put on a ballet pageant. Will the main couple kiss? Of course they will. It's very different stakes from, especially for a Bratz thing, which is ostensibly set in our world, but apparently has magic and every other person is a fairy. Well, this is another thing that this movie kind of breaks the logic is magic isn't a new addition to the Bratz world. The second Bratz feature length movie is Bratz Genie Magic, which introduces the concept of genies and magic. But in that movie, the magic is treated as something incredibly rare and isolated, and like characters are shocked by its existence. Um, whereas I think this movie is just kind of like magic is everywhere, who cares? Yeah, but only fairies can tap into it. Excuse yeah. Pixies. You have to be on brand. Yes. I think that's my main takeaway from this, is you have to be on brand. Um, Definitely. This entire movie is incredibly on brand with itself. Well, I think it's just a fun movie as well, especially because it's, um, like, you don't often get, like, dark fantasy filtered through, like, a girly media lens. Well, and in a real-world setting, too. Yeah. And I like, I do think they combined ideas in a really interesting way, like... These aren't uh, normal girls transported to a magical world sort of fantasy. This is hidden world within our world fantasy. And, like, we made fun of it a little bit, but I think that's because it's so bonkers. But, like, it is, I think, genuinely a really cool creative decision to have the evil pixies be an evil rave (laughs) where they have evil EDM music. Yeah, and in the end, that is still the main decision that baffles me, because so much of Bratz as a brand was about, like, oh, Barbie doesn't represent the interests of people who like edgy stuff, and liking edgy stuff doesn't make you bad. Like, we like electronic music and hip-hop, and we wear edgy clothes and leather jackets, and and then this movie is just like, reggae is the only good music. (laughs) EDM is evil and if you listen to EDM you are either evil or under the influence of evil. I almost feel like they should have had like the evil music be like bubblegum pop which like made people like slavishly like devoted to like the singer or something. Um but instead it's star. Yeah, something like that cuz but I guess the 
The problem is they wanted the music that plays continuously through the movie to be on brand for the brand. And then that kind of is a double-edged sword that the music that plays constantly is also... what you might fall to the devil. Yeah, like, I do think it's weird how, how, how much, like, weight they put on that with the characters, like, talking about it like it's, like, absolutely apocalyptic. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think we should probably start wrapping this up, but... Yeah, I think we can call it um call it a day there. So um if you want to hear more from us, check our feed. Um check out our website, talkingdolls dot org. Um we've got links to all our social media on there. Um we normally go by a variation of Talking Dolls podcast um on any social media, um except on Twitter where we have to be Talking Dolls pod because they don't let you have long words yes so if you'd like to find me or my art you can find me on instagram at emmakate.sequentialarts on instagram and if people would like to find you joe where can they find you at sensational joe on instagram Ooh, boy howdy, that was a long one, wasn't it? Uh, four hours? <laughs> and I can't believe how much I said like in that episode. It's bad. I don't really say it much in real life, but for some reason when I'm talking on the podcast I seem to say it every other word. Hmm. Well, who knows? Anyway, uh, next episode will be, hopefully, our Halloween special, if all goes according to plan. And then we'll release the episode which was half recorded and supposed to go now sometime after that where we will uh finish our discussion about uh anime and anime dolls uh see how that goes we may move ahead straight into the uh next topic we have set aside for november which uh which will hopefully coincide with the interview (laughs) the much talked about interview which seems to elude us hopefully it will finally go ahead and hey again thanks for listening and thanks for your patience and support guys it is really really lovely to hear from you we've been getting some really kind messages um next episode because it will be an actual proper episode we'll have uh, recorded we can actually respond to some of those really nice emails and messages we've gotten on air um we had plans to do them this episode but obviously the episode which you have just listened to was recorded before any of those messages were sent. We we actually recorded this episode um, back in uh, early September and we wanted to get something done and have something in the bank in case of emergencies. And then, wouldn't you know it, we've had emergencies. So, <laughs> you know, I know I've said thank you like five times already, but thank you. And uh, And I hope you guys have a good rest of the month, you know. Hopefully things go smoothly for all of us and, you know, best of luck to those of you in America. I I know how hard it is at the moment, but, you know, keep on powering through because you can do it. (laughs) 